Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's Friday. We talk about football. We call it Football Friday. What a concept. Sponsored by the Bet Park Sportsbook app. The Fan Ohio Sports Destination. Hello, friends. You're now listening to the Lifestyle, Leisure, and Sports Show. You never knew was two of those things. I think we can all acknowledge that if this fails, you two will be fired and I will remain. <laughs> so, no pressure. Bo Bishop, a regional media icon. Winner of Emmys. Purveyor of the good life. Sir, you don't know that for a fact. I just said I'm it on the radio. Also, two guys this company named Employee of the Month. What are you talking about? Paul Hogan is Hulk Hogan's brother. Uh-huh. Look sure it up. Because it's Hulk sure Hogan. Is. That's his real name. One guy is from Australia. The other one is from Tampa. Maybe he's from Hollywood, brother. <laughs> Not brothers. Chops. Yes, they are. This is Bishop and Friends. Let's do a live on a football Friday edition of the program. Bo and the boys with you for the next three. Tim May, 1033. Doug Maurice, 1133. Know the scores. 11 o'clock. Chops has been on a heater. Pay attention. Um, I think it's well documented that I love this sport more than any other. And that this, of course, referring about college football. I love the messiness of it. Um, I love the, the vagueness of it. I love that the sport operates almost entirely at its best in the gray area. I, I love that for the majority of the time that this sport has crowned national champions, it did so by a human vote. Like that was it. Like teams didn't even play for national championships in the in for the vast majority Not of the even time one that vote the sports been played. Yeah, sometimes several. I mean you know, Greater Columbus Football Club, there's your national champion. We'll we'll hang the banner. Um and for the kids out there, do yourself a favor and, and Google Alabama football. Hell Google Ohio State football, read the wiki and it it splits National champions versus claimed national champions. And everybody has claimed national champions a lot that they claim. And there's a messiness to it, right? Um, and, and while we've cleaned up some of that stuff and we are getting closer and closer to knowing who the best teams are and we've had a BCS formula for that. Um, before that, we had the Bowl Coalition. Then we had the BCS. Now we have a playoff and now we'll do a 12 team playoff. And so we're getting to a point where you're going to have a way of determining a winner that is absolute and one that makes all the sense in the world. It's been this way for now quite a while. And so while I love all of that, I also can't sit up here and tell you that in what it normally is a the time of year where you say, okay, let's go. I mean, you're pointing towards Ann Arbor. You're pointing towards the Michigan game. Uh, but usually there are a couple of landmines between here and there. I can't tell you that there are this year. I can't. And I can't sell that to you. It'd be disingenuous. There isn't anything between this game Saturday and Rutgers. And this is quite honestly the biggest challenge you're going to face between here and the Michigan game. There's, there's really no fear in the other games for you to worry about. Um, and the reality is you're so much better from a talent standpoint that th- these other teams don't have much of a fighting chance at all. Um, it's something that's happened in the Big Ten over the last 25 years or so. It'll be better when you add Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA, but 
and we'll get to this in the 10 o'clock hour, obviously what they're doing in the scheduling isn't going to make that a, a factor right away, certainly not for Ohio State in terms of what they did with the schedule in the first year of the Big Ten, um, of this new look Big Ten. It is, it's difficult, though, to look at these games. I mean, I just even think about when I got here in 07, and you'd look at whether it be a Michigan State game late. You'd look at an Illinois game late and go, okay, Juice Williams, that's tricky. Mendenhall, that's, that might, there's a path. It's hard for me to find a path for Rutgers. It's hard for me to find a path for Minnesota or Purdue. That's, they're tough. These are tough sells to try to, to try to do that. So what we try to do here on the program, and I think what all of you try to do as well, is we try to envision what it would look like against the best and, until we get to see the best at the end of the month. That, that's really the job is, is what does this need to look like? And in a year like this one where I don't think there's a great team, period, I just don't – we haven't seen it, guys. We're a month left of the season. There's nobody who has put it together in a way that you go dominant. If you think of the best wins so far this season in college football, we've got two of them with Notre Dame and Penn State. Texas has got a nice win at Alabama. Uh, Florida State's got a nice win over LSU. Georgia really doesn't have one. I, I guess Kentucky, if you want to try and claim that. Um, there's no real quality win for Michigan out there. The Washington win against Oregon certainly was a yeah. very, very big quality win. Um, but in all of those instances that I just gave you, I never, you never saw dominance, not complete. You would see maybe, and from Ohio state specifically, you've seen dominant defense. You've seen dominant individual performances from Marv or even Travion, but in terms of total dominance from a team, we haven't seen it. So as we enter November, I think you enter with as much ambiguity as we've had since I've been around the sport covering it on a daily basis since 2001. I, I can't tell you what's going to happen this month. I don't have a good feel about what's going to happen this month. I can't, I got no clue on the Heisman. That could go a lot of different ways over the course of this month. That thing is wide open. Marv could win it. Absolutely. He could absolutely win the Heisman the next month. That can happen. Um, and so, while there is certainty over the next three weeks in terms of, yeah, you're going to win all of those games. It's just about a matter of how much and how you look. In terms of what we know, we've never known less heading into the month of November, the last month of the college football season. To confirm, give like stamp of approval dominance. You need teams to not only do it against the, the teams they should be, which we've seen a lot of that this year from the top teams, but you also need to see it against another top team and see them go out there and, wow, I didn't expect them to be able to do that to X opponent. And nobody's been able to combine those two factors. Michigan and a little bit Georgia as well, for sure, have been able to be dominant through most of their games, if not all of them. But they haven't had a, a marquee opponent on there that you can circle and say, yeah, then they did this. Washington started out looking very comprehensive and very dominant, had a close one against Oregon, which you could maybe even still give it. But then after Oregon, they've sputtered a little bit and played some close games. They're still undefeated. Got a tough one against USC this week. Hey, we'll see how that goes. Hey, pay attention That's to the scores time, right? on that one. That's prime time. Yeah, that is. Uh, is that, that's I think seven thirty. Yeah. Game, on ABC. ABC. Yeah. Mm hmm. So that that's kind of where we're at, and then it's yeah, listing off the wins. So like you said, Ohio State's the only one with like two of those marquee victories, bumps them up to number one in the CFP. But we've we've watched these games, we know that this isn't the exact same dominant, especially offensively, that we've seen from Ohio State. And so is it just 
different but the same or is it different and not quite as good still kind of you know remains to be seen for sure but as the defense keeps stacking these performances you think okay that's another route for them to do but that puts them in position where they are still in games in the second half just against Wisconsin who's a good team but not what they used to be to go back to your initial point about the Big Ten in the end of this season because Rutgers is going to be a bit of a challenge it's at least on the road but they usually stick Ohio State at Rutgers with the night game with it being the noon game I think that's going to like quell a There's little be bit a ton of Buckeyes you know that mm-hmm. that's going to be scarlet and gray yeah I bet it, it's 50 50 Saturday and I, I just don't know if all the the Shiano pluckiness is going to be able to come through in a, in a noon start out in Piscataway and then those other two games Minnesota they're just not very good this year and Michigan State is rudderless and just just flailing at this point I was looking at it and at least for the top 10 every team is win out and you're in or win out and you will likely be one of the top two teams. You'll at least be in the college football playoff. Like even Ole Miss, if they went out. Oh, for, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, and you, could, you yep. could even, I guess, go past. Well, they would be, well, hold on now. They The only thing for them is they would need Bama to lose. They too. have that loss to Alabama. Because otherwise they won't play for the SEC title. I guess what you're saying is could an 11-1 and one Ole Miss get right. in? If they had if, a win, if they have a win over Georgia, win over Georgia, right? That yeah, would put that would throw everything in chaos because then you would have a one loss Ole Miss and then yeah, an SEC champ, and both those teams that, that would are be tricky. Probably getting in, but even Penn State, if they can do sure. right against Michigan, and I don't remember that ever being the I don't remember that being the case in my lifetime where you got ten teams and you're like, yeah, went out and you're likely up there for a national championship. Yeah, I mean, there's They're all teams... flawed, too. That's oh, yeah. the other thing. Like, there's nothing here that you One's look at One's not that say, much better than the other no. in any of them. No, there's not a, there is not a dominant thing out there where you go, man, I don't know how we're going to put something together to beat them. There are dominant players. Marvin is one. Um, there are dar- You feel like they're dominant, dominant uh, sides of the ball, maybe even in some instances, but in terms of one team that has been dominant we haven't seen it yet when you think of college football the things that stand out in your memory are, are the chaos at the end of the season 2007 and how we got to that championship game between ohio state and lsu that seemed improbable a, a few weeks out from the end of the season but that's not exactly what this one is there will be chaos it's college football things are going to happen that surprise you i mean oklahoma losing to kansas that's one of them last week that was a team that was totally in the driver's seat and may still be there in that grouping that Reese was talking about in the top 10 but it's not going to take dominance to get some of these teams in it's just going to be what happens and that's why it feels more wide open because there's teams that we do have circled but you don't know the path that everybody's going to take to get there we'll have four teams at the end you'll have elimination games that start kind of this weekend right i mean you're gonna if i mean alabama can't lose it's a good weekend in all three time slots too all yeah it's got you covered you you're you're loaded in whether it's whether it's noon 3:30 or the primetime kicks there's a good game in every one um and there's stuff that's going to have national championship ramifications in every one um i do wonder if we will see one of these teams lift and, and maybe it's this one maybe this team goes and I, I think for this team to go what we need to start to see here over the last Four last three games leading into the Michigan game is you. You need to see this dominant this offense go. That's really what we're waiting for. We we need all you need. You now have Trevion back. Hopefully Emeka goes and he's a full go this weekend. Marv back. McCord healthy ish. You need this offense to really go, and that's that's kind of the one thing that's lacking because I think this defense is good enough that you can beat anybody in the country with it. It's proven that over the course of the first eight games. So this is just a matter of what can you be 
offensively in the last month building for the Michigan game? Because probably the closest team to being dominant and they've had help has been Michigan. They are they've they've been the one team that once they got into their conference stuff after they played their non conference and Harbaugh got back, they hammer people. Every time out, they hammer people. Um, but now all eyes will be on them because how will they do it without the advanced scouting that they had? So they're kind of the ones that are out there, as it's always been. And I guess while if we come full circle, while there has been big changes to the sport and while we have this ambiguity that we've never, maybe never had before, the one thing that has remained the same is the one that matters most is the one at the end, and that hasn't changed. You're going to go up there at the end of the month, and you'll know where you are. That's the one. That's the proving ground. That's the one that matters most, and that hasn't changed. And as much as the sport has changed in 100 years, that part remains the same. I do want to caution people with whichever result happens for Michigan this week, whether they continue this streak of how they've been beating Big Ten opponents, essentially like 42 to 7 every single week, somewhere in that kind of range, or if Purdue looks a little bit better against them. I don't think either of those is indicative that everything is going the other way, but especially if they, it's the, the blowout one. If they one, lose to Penn State, then it, then that's then when you're like, wait yeah. a second. <laughs> but if they, if they still, the one. if they still destroy Purdue, that I'm not worried about as far as, no, oh, maybe no, they can still do it. This Purdue team's just not any good. It's Penn State and it's Ohio State. Uh, lots to get to. We'll get you set for the Buckeyes and the Scarlet Knights. Saturday at noon, we're off and running. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The best hair on the air. You are listening to Bishop and Friends. And no matter what NFL team you cheer for, Tipico Sportsbook knows who all of Ohio is rooting against. Every week when you bet $25 on an Ohio team, we'll give you a $5 bet credit to place against your rival. Make game day even better by taking home a big win and cheering for your rivals to lose. Download Tipico Sportsbook today. Make the most of your big wins and your rivals' losses. Must be 21 or older, physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions do apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER for more on that. Speaking of gambling, by the way, you're welcome. Reese and I gave that to you last night. Steelers would cover the three and a half. They did. As if there was ever any doubt that the, that Pittsburgh was going to win at home, Reese? None. Zero. This is what they do. It, it wasn't. Sorcery. It wasn't quite the, I, I said the exact same thing to at halftime to Jen. I was like, what's going to happen is there, it's going to be a close game, and then T.J. Watt's going to make a play in the fourth quarter, and then it's going to be over. So it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't quite T.J. Watt, but they got the interception and the comeback route for the Titans. Boom. Steelers get a win. Totally Steelers move. Deontay Johnson's first touchdown reception since Ben Roethlisberger was a quarterback. Is that real? Yeah, since yeah. Like 2021. Oh my God! As good as he is, that's uh-huh. the first one he's had. The other the re- thing about that too is like it made me think. Um, ben Roethlisberger, man, he played for them that recently. It feels longer ago. It feels longer that he's been gone. Yeah, I guess they would end up going what Roethlisberger to pick it straight. Right. There wasn't anything in between. It's a Mister Biscuit sprinkled, I think. Yeah. Here's um, you know the thing. Back to the word gamble, and you think about the gamble on drafting quarterbacks, right? You're you're watching this game last night and. I'm watching Levis play, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, the coach probably didn't want to draft him. I think that's abundantly clear, right, That, but based on Vrabel's behavior, that I'm, I'm, I don't think that he wanted to draft him. They basically, he basically fell into their lap. They had just drafted a quarterback, Malik Willis, the year before. <coughs> Excuse me. So they didn't really want to draft him. Nobody really did, right? He fell all the way to the second round. Everybody had a shot to take him, and I'm watching him – play against Pickett last night and Levis has not been curated in any way right like this was Tannehill was a starter and only because of injury is Levis getting to play we don't even know if he's going to play after this right it might just be he plays 
for a couple of games, and, and Vrabel might say, I want, I want Tannehill in here, and he's going back in. He's my starter. Um, and you're watching him and Pickett play. And Pickett was somebody that Pittsburgh made a very pointed uh, attempt. Like, this is very planned out, right? We're going to go get a quarterback to replace Ben Roethlisberger. This is the guy we're picking. We're picking it in this draft, and we're going to make Pickett work. If you knew nothing about all of the backstory on those two players and you watched that game last night, would you really take Pickett over Levis? There's no chance. Even the most diehard Steeler fan out there would not take Pickett over Levis. Levis made throws last night, and I realize he didn't get the win, but he made throws last night that you go, holy cow, Like he might be a franchise quarterback. He made a couple in tight, tight windows down the field, off balance. He stayed. He was great in the pocket. The number one takeaway I have from this is I think Tennessee like fast-tracked their rebuild. Like They've got a guy. They don't need to look anywhere else. Like You can now build around him going forward. He's your guy. And by the way, he's a second-rounder. So all of that stuff that Philly did with Hurts, with an ability to spend bigly everywhere else, now they're going to be able to do the same thing with Levis. Conversely, Pittsburgh, sorcery, 5-3. and three, uh, beats, beats the hell out of me how they pull this off, other than the fact that they have magic. Um but I look at Pickett, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't see it. I don't see it as a guy who's going to be someone who they're going to win anything against in a division that has Lamar and has Joe Burrow. I had the same thoughts last night watching it. There are every once in a while a few throws Pickett makes where you're like, okay, that's where they see the town. But there are way too many in-between ones sailing over guys' heads behind them. They're catching it on their hip. Just Did he have Pickett deep down the middle he underthrew in the third what, quarter? Was that, was that Johnson? He had somebody deep. Two steps pass and underthrew it, and if he puts it on the screws, it's a touchdown. There was a play in the first half that was, I think it was a third down, that just right over the head. There was one play, too, in the first quarter where it was way over the head that the, uh, I think it was Deontay Johnson, just didn't even go for it. He jumped yeah. up and just kept his arms down. He's like, there's no way, and I'm not putting myself out there to get hit in the midsection. But yeah, if you didn't know what you were watching here, you'd say, okay, this is the people are, you know, high on Levis and Kenny Pickett's just the, the quarterback that happens to be playing for the Steelers right now, but it's kind of the opposite situation, and there's tons of factors that will go into when, where, and why a, a quarterback, especially a young quarterback, is going to get his chances, so who knows what's going to happen with Levis, but coming out of this game, yeah, I feel a lot more comfortable, even though that even though the Steelers get the win, a lot more comfortable that Will Levis has a future as a starting quarterback in the NFL than I do Kenny Pickett. And it shows like the razor-thin margin for error, because Kenny Pickett's stat line's rather clean, despite mm-hmm. yeah. kind of the, the misses that he had that were like, ah, better, a, a good quarterback makes those throws. I don't think Kenny Pickett's a good quarterback. I think Will Levis can be a good quarterback, but with, what, th- two and a half minutes left to go, he throws an interception. You know, Bad pick. Tries to find uh, a guy in the middle of the end zone in triple coverage, and that's just what you can't do. But for you know his connection with um, DeAndre Hopkins, it's like they were able, they've been able to connect in ways that uh, Tannehill and Hopkins hadn't correct the first couple of weeks of the season. And I think is uh, if, if it's Vrabel, it's going to be begrudgingly. So Levis makes your offense better. And so that's who you no can doubt. ride. And if you build around him, I think Traylon Burks has to get, um, he had a concussion last night or he's got to get he went, yeah. healthier or he's got he to return in the game. Yeah. And you could build from that. It also, uh, it was six seconds left actually for the Levis interception. So you, it's almost not even like completely, you, know, you got to throw to the end zone in those kind of situations, like, cause he needed a touchdown. So I don't even completely it's fault him test, for that. Man. I've seen enough. Like I've seen two games of him. He throws to all parts of the field. And if you take care of him, I think you've got a guy. And I think his ceiling is really high because the, the arm talent pops. It does. And 
this it's a game changer for them to stumble into him. And I haven't watched all of the Tennessee Titans game. We've seen him a couple of times in AFC North games this season. This being really the third one that we've watched here. But at least last night, it looked like to me, one, he likes to target DeAndre Hopkins, which is good. That 11 yeah. targets for him last night. He only ends up with four receptions, but it's good that he's trying to target him. That makes sense. But DeAndre Hopkins, when he did get the ball, looked like he really cared last oh, night and was bounce. going and he was going hard and trying to make extra out of the plays, you not just catch the, and get tackled. The one on the sideline where he looked like he was just going to step out of the bounds and then he picked up another eight yards by right. staying in and getting upfield. No, he's been rejuvenated for sure. If Levis ignites no that question. in Hopkins, then, then it's worth it to start him. Yeah. Do we have an update on if he got back with the girl, Reese? The draft <laughs> None. Girl? I have not seen right. any legit you on update. That. Get the MIT kids on it. I'll do what I can. I think the smart play here for him is to not. The smart play is to be the king of Nashville a little bit right now. They don't have a home game either until 11-26 against the Panthers. So, like, that might be where you'd have a sighting. Come to a home game if you're back together. But at Buccaneers, at Jaguars, maybe not. Stay freewheeling. Be the prince of Nashville. That's that's the play there. Nice win for the Jackets last night. Very, very nice win. Down 2-1 in the the second. But you go into the third, you say, good Lord. And we talked about this with Joe yesterday. Like, 3-5-2 feels so much different than 4-4-2 through the first 10. Um, I don't know if this team has the firepower to be a playoff team. But that was a monster win for them to close out the first 10, stay at 500, beat a quality team in Tampa Bay when you were entering the third down 2-1. to one. Very good job out of them. Johnny gets off the schneid as well, so it's winner, winner, chicken dinner for everybody on that side of things last night. Big win. That's a nice one for them. Yeah, I don't have much of a doubt because I'm keeping track of it. They have two losses. Such Had the Lightning been able to net a third goal in that second period, we maybe get a different result because it's those three period or those three goal periods that I think the Jackets are really going to struggle coming back from, but it's only a two-goal period, and they were able to put three in. Johnny Gaudreau finally gets on the board. It's an empty netter, but you know what? We'll take it. Take it. You just need to see it in the back. How many times have the Jackets scored three goals in a period this year? How many times have they? I do not. I mean, they're one of those. This might be the first. Yeah. Yeah, because they only had night. I I want to say yesterday when we were doing the goal differential, they only had like 21, 22 goals as a team going into the game last night. That's why those, yeah, those periods where they let up too many, yeah, it just goes away. And maybe the empty netter helps. Maybe that does it. That that gets it. You see it go in the back of the net. And it turns into a little bit of a streak here for them. They'll need it to be if they're going to be one of those teams that they stated to be, which is a playoff team. Uh, the Buckeyes plan on being a playoff team. Their march towards that and towards Ann Arbor begins Saturday at noon in Piscataway. Coach Day, healthy. Who is, who isn't? We'll get into that coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Bishop and Friends is sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast, sustainable weight loss without medications. The solution for weight loss. Awaken 180 Weight Loss. What's up? What's up, man? you. Game day tomorrow. High noon in Jersey. Buckeyes and Rutgers. You can listen to it right here on the fan. Um... The, the big thing going into this one is, I think, how healthy are you? So we talked a little bit about Kyle McCord, and obviously he's going to give it a go and feels pretty good about where he is. Everybody's dealing with stuff. Um, the one that we're waiting on is Emeka Abuka, and Coach Day on his show yesterday, courtesy of our friends at Learfield, addressed Emeka and his availability for Saturday. 
Yeah, just so impressive. You know, not going to get into the details of everything that happened, but just, you know, the next day it was like I'm, I'm playing, you know, in the Penn State game. You know, he made up his mind. That's what he was going to do. And he, and he was available for the game, you know. But, you know, people decided to, you know, we all made a decision to, to hold him back. And that's that's what you want as a player, you know. And you want guys who want to get back on the field as fast as they possibly can. And so uh, he's had a good week of work, and certainly our offense is looking to get him, get him back out there. It does. So that tells me that both Abuka and Henderson were clear for Penn State and good to go, and the coaching staff held them out. Because remember, they both warmed up. Mm -hmm. They both went through warm-up, and there was all of that confusion on the pregame shows about who was playing and who was not. So they've been – now Trey came back last week, too, obviously, um, and and now Emeka theoretically will come back tomorrow. But they were both go for the Penn State game. Yeah, there's been plenty of evidence this year that Ryan Day is putting an incredible emphasis on guys being 100, maybe 110 percent before they even come back. That 90 percent, eh, no, that's not good enough. And the only thing I can think of is that he wants these guys to be as close to 100 percent and go against Michigan at the end of the year. He wants a fully, I think you're right. I think he wants a fully healthy team against Michigan. I think they dealt with stuff last year, whether it was with Jackson or with Trevion, where the, the, there was the ambiguity around it. And mm-hmm. instead, this year, he's saying, if you're out two weeks, you're out four. Um, Austin alluded to that when we had him on on Monday about that that feels like the plan. And we've talked all year about the notion that Ryan is holding some things back offensively every week for the Michigan game. And part of that is due to the sign-stealing stuff. But part of that is also there will be a fresh approach to that game. There's a lot on that game. <laughs> that is, There's always a lot on that game. But there's even... There's going to be even more this year with everything else around it. But I think you're right. I think he's trying to get to a point where everybody on his team is healthy. And to that end, I think tomorrow you're going to see probably as about a offensively at least as healthy as Ohio State's been since what week one, Reese. I mean, at back, least since the Notre Dame game. game right? Yeah, it would, you'd factor at least uh, the game in South Bend. Yeah, that's true. But I also yeah. wonder that if if there's a a little glitch or a little um, hitch in Ibuka, you just sit him again. I mean, I, I know I think that's easier said question. than done, but I do we know what the injury is? Lower body. <laughs> so, <laughs> lower body, upper body. Yeah, but it's, it's something and they're just, it's always hard because that, it, they don't have to disclose. We don't even college. know what Mayan surgery is at this point. You have no idea. Well, it's a procedure know. and he's out for the year. Okay. I feel like once he's out for the year, can't we then talk about it? Like then there's not even gamesmanship there i don't understand yeah i don't understand what the notion is and why it has to be a big secret in college anyway when in the you know in every all the pros they tell you what it is i guess hockey does that like they'll do lower body upper body they do that too Mm -hmm. um but uh, i suppose that's just so somebody doesn't go at the injury when they do get healthy maybe don't go at the knees but you shouldn't go at knees anyway don't twist the ankle but guys are gonna if they have any inclination that it might be that guys are gonna do that at the bottom of the pile no question um I think it's fair to say that this is the best Rutgers team that we've played. That feels like that's the case, that this is the best Rutgers team that you've played since they've been in the Big Ten. They've at least been, from a record standpoint, they are for sure. Um, there's been it's only their first year where they were a little okay. They beat Michigan that first year they were in the Big Ten, I think. They was were that made- Chris Ash? Or who was coaching them at that point? I can't even remember. I mean, there's been so many nameless, faceless Rutgers teams. I just remember threes always having to go there. He was in Piscataway like every Saturday, it felt like. Piscataway, yeah. Yeah, he really was. Um, But this team is bowl eligible. They've played Michigan the closest of anybody in the Big Ten. Um, Shiano does a very, very good job. Here's Coach Day on what stands out for this Rutgers team. 
Uh, the first thing, you know, is defensively, they're playing very well statistically. You know, one of the better defenses in the country uh, going in. So nothing new. We played against some really good defenses this year. But then, you know, also on offense, you know, they have a good scheme. The, you know, the coordinator who is there now is the same one at, at Minnesota a couple of years ago, and they do a great job in, in how they attack you. So, you know, just complimentary football. And, you know, you know they, they're playing well. So, you know, we got to go on a road, and it's just another challenge on the road in, in, in November in the Big Ten. Bo, how long would it have taken you to get to 2014 Rutgers head coach Kyle Flood? Wow. Buckeyes win 56-17. to 17. You made that up. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. Like, would, you I would have got to Kurt Flood before I would have got to Kyle Flood. I mean, there just was no – no, I don't remember that at all. Have you guys ever looked none at – of the Kyle Flood era. Have you guys ever looked at Winsipedia where they, they do the matchups of – you know, you can type yeah. in two teams and you can look at it. And usually they've got the bar graphs of how the games have gone between them. And usually there's – you know, it goes in both directions because every team's gotten a win. Rutgers, no wins against Ohio State. They are 9-0 and all time. And it is just a bunch of huge bar graphs for Ohio State. The closest one was in 2020, 49-27. That's the closest it's been. Yeah, it's it's just this is what I mean. That's what makes it tough, right? Like you added two teams in Rutgers and Maryland to this league, who weakened the league, and this is the best Rutgers has been. This Rutgers team, like, they, they, and they got tough sledding here. Luckily, they're bowl eligible already. I got, I don't really, I can't sing worth a damn, so I'm not going to do it. But I got an email from uh, Stephen James, the subject Shiano Man, and so it's written to the tune of Piano Man. There is a version it's of that that exists online that's actually produced, I believe. Is it really? Okay. So maybe it exists. It's 12 o'clock on a Saturday. The regular crowd shuffles in. They're filling up SHI Stadium, <laughs> and they're hoping our team gets a win. They say, Greg, can you get us to a bowl game? We don't really care where we go, but it sure would be sweet if we could compete and show our Scarlet Knight, show off our Scarlet Knights clothes. Give us a win. You're the Shiano man. Give us a win today. Uh, while we're all in a mood for a clobbering, we just hope it goes our way. Um, and then it continues. Coach Newt, now Coach Ryan Day is a friend of mine. He gives me a hearty <laughs> handshake. He's quick with a smile. He'll chat for a while. But what he uh, what he says makes my knees start to shake. I mean, he says, Greg, I believe we'll win this one. As a little smile crosses his face, well, I bet we can score over 40 points before we get out of this place. I mean, it continues. Six more verses of it. It's like as long as Piano Man is. One thing that I, you know, I That's don't a good job out of him. So, I don't but think- that, for them and him, they've done it. He's done it. He's bowl eligible. Like, this was the job, and he's done it. And they will benefit so hugely as a program when they don't have to play Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan every year. They are already – I mean, do you think of the mess in Lansing? You're not that, you're not that far off right now. This Rutgers program is on the same level as, as Maryland probably at this point. They'll play at the end of the year. But they've, he's already done it. And so respectability, bowl game, they've done it. And he's done a hell of a job with them. I, there's, it's hard for me to find any roadmap where this game is much of a challenge. It sure as heck shouldn't be or else you got big problems. They just don't have the talent. But in terms of accomplishing the stated goal at Rutgers, bowl eligible. That's the goal. I mean, we would in the old days we would have – I mean, one year we did most interesting programs and we had Rutgers in it as one of the most interesting programs. And it was predicated on, hey, go get to a bowl. That's the goal. And they made a bowl in, I think, 2021, but they were one of those extra teams. They finished five and seven. So this is the first time they've been yeah. like actually bowl eligible in a, in a pretty long time. I was thinking back to that 2015 game because I went all the way out to Piscataway and called it for student radio. And it was a 49 to seven final, but that seven was very late in the game. And being people from Columbus, you'd think we'd be used to this, but they have like a cannon that they fire off. But since it was so late in the game and we hadn't heard it at all, 
I remember being very startled by that. It was very loud because probably the point is that, you know, when there's that many people in the stadium, that some of it gets eaten up by people that can't bounce off yeah, it. The stadium wasn't very full at that point, and it was the loudest cannon blast I've, I've ever heard in person. I thought they did it for, like, kickoffs. Who am I thinking that does a cannon during kickoff? Great question. I got nothing for you on that. <laughs> I don't, can you do cannon during play? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the Red River. Don't call it a shootout. Oh, they maybe fire those guns? Yeah, they fire the gu- their guns now, yeah. The Oklahoma people? Some, some oh. powder goes up in the sky. The ones that... Uh, it's always a little dicey, right? Like a bunch of people walking in with guns? Baker, like... <laughs> in Texas? Probably I guess not. it is Texas. It's Baker was pretty close Jersey, with that maybe. gun with Lee Corso when he was doing the guest yeah, There's picking. no question. Yeah, there's no question. Um, for the Buckeyes, this will be what we always look at. It'll be about the offensive prowess. That's what we're looking to see. Um, and I think the big lesson that we've learned this week and probably the biggest revelation this week is that this is a healthy offense now. Um, everyone's going to give it a go. And I'm very curious to see what that looks like. Um, let's remember, Emeka Buka is a first-round draft pick receiver. You pull up any mock draft and that you look at where he lands, it's always in the first round. So you get that back, and that should provide a very big boost for this Buckeye offense and Kyle McCord. And, and that's kind of it. So you got that, and then you just want to see Marv continue to stat pad a little bit so he can go chase down that Heisman because he's got as good a chance as any Buckeye. Um, he's got the same chance, I think, that CJ had, the same chance that Justin Fields had. It's there for him. Dwayne, it's, it's there, absolutely is there. All right, we've got a lot going on north of here. Um, The conference athletic directors met with the Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti yesterday. The details of that are out. And we have one coach who went out and just flat out said it out loud. They're cheating. We knew about it. Everybody knew about it. That's coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Oh, knows many people. He talks to the interesting ones on this show. This is Bishop and Friends. I think the tone that we're starting to hear in the Big Ten, and it's been really since the middle of the week, is, yeah, we've had enough. There's enough. It's enough. It's time to do something about this. Um, we had a coaches conference on Wednesday with Tony Petiti, the athletic director, or the, uh, the the commissioner of the Big Ten. That happened on Wednesday afternoon, and that's the one where Harbaugh's there, and they say, yeah, you can leave, and then the coaches unloaded. Uh, according to various reports, that that the coaches unloaded on Petiti and said, look, this is what's been going on. Um, Yesterday, we had a meeting between the commissioner, Tony Petiti, and Big Ten athletic directors. This reporting uh, from Yahoo. Um, So Thamel's been doing this. Dellinger's been doing this at Yahoo. We've had the Washington Post. uh, We had the Wall Street Journal on this. So everyone's starting to dig in on this. And and then we're at a point now where all of this evidence is out there. Um, You've had access to it for a couple of weeks. And now the feeling around the Big Ten is, hey, maybe it's time to do something. So the athletic directors met with Petiti yesterday. Um, Here is where it stands, according to the Yahoo reporting. A decision from the league is uncertain, though options have been discussed. On their calls over the last week, in fact, high-level school administrators and Petiti have poured over a wide range of possibilities. There's talk, for instance, of penalty not impacting players directly, which I think is what they're going to end up doing here. A suspension of head coach Jim Harbaugh may be the most likely and cleanest penalty if one were handed down. We've been saying that for two weeks. Such a penalty from the conference, somewhat unprecedented. If too severe, could trigger a legal action from the program. Legal experts tell Yahoo any Big Ten penalty is rooted in the conference's sportsmanship policy, which allows for the commissioner to hand down disciplinary measures for violating the integrity of competition in the competitive arena. Um, 
the thing that is going to allow for the – and this is why the Harbaugh suspension always made the most sense to me. It's why I always thought the Big Ten would be the first – if anyone was going to penalize them, it would be the Big Ten. Um, it is that stipulation that's in the NCAA rules that you are responsible for what happens in your program, whether you knew about it or not. And whether that's fair or not, in all instances, that's the one that I think will be applied here to Michigan. Um, and I, I think that's the one that you're kind of waiting on is some sort of suspension of Harbaugh. Now, in the meantime, so you've had coaches – meet with the commissioner. You've had athletic directors meet with the commissioner yesterday, and now you're having coaches start to speak out. Purdue coach, Purdue coach Ryan Walters was on his show and had this to say about the Michigan scandal. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, um, and, and what's crazy is it's, there aren't allegations like it, it happened. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and, you know, there's video evidence. There's um, ticket purchases and sales that you can track back, and, you know, we know for a fact that they were at a number of our games. Um, and so, you know, we've had to teach our guys a new language in terms of um, some signals, and, and we will operate differently offensively. Like we might, you might see us in a huddle yeah. um, for the for the first time this season. Um, so it is it is what it is. But uh, we're excited to go play, and I think it'll make for a great story. I think it's great that he said the quiet part out loud. That these are not allegations. We have it. We know it. They were at our games. We have ticket stubs. We have video. We gave the evidence to the NCAA. The evidence, this isn't, hey, we got to track down this or we got to interview this person, this person's testimony. No, they've been caught red-handed by everybody. Can you imagine the the notion that they were so locked into this scheme that they felt the need to scout Purdue multiple times? Yeah, I wonder which games they were at for Purdue or that they really felt they needed to get an edge up on Purdue. They did end up playing Purdue, and they, they destroyed them in the Big Ten title game last year, so maybe it was worth it the time they spent going and looking at the Boilermakers. The biggest thing for me, too, is we've seen all this evidence that is circumstantial, but as it mounts, it just becomes a, a clear picture of that this was actually happening. And on the other side, I don't know if Michigan would even, at least maybe like leak something or anything. There has been no credible explanation. You can go on an MGO blog message board and find some explanations that are big galaxy brain stuff, but there has been no credible explanation or counter evidence to that there is any legitimate reason why Connor Stallions was doing this. And where, so where is that? And so, yeah, that's why we keep no, going back they're, on. They're just sticking to the Harbaugh didn't know. Reese, their defense is lone wolf. Yeah, that's this was a rogue their, agent. Rogue agent. He was a recruiting analyst who decided to go out of his way and utilize our vast resources that we can't possibly keep 100% tabs on to do this. And whatever he did was used, you know, we will never do again. And we apologize for that being the case. Um, It's interesting. Tony Petiti is meeting with Michigan's president, Santa Ono, sometime today. The Athletic had that report. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I just wonder what... What do they? What does Tony Petiti need to act on this? Like, what's the one? And I keep going back to it has to be the Harbaugh smoking gun. I don't know that he, it even needs the Harbaugh smoking gun. Then I wonder what's again, taking it. Like, what's? The- I think it's how do you land the plane? How do you come up with a penalty that is severe enough that it satisfies those who are aggrieved, all the while not opening yourself up for litigation as a conference, all the while not derailing a top four team in the country that is going to be. One, two, or three by the time they play the game of the century at the end of the at the end of the month, and so that's that's the that's a tough needle to thread, fellas. 
to land that, to satisfy. Um, I keep coming back to the Harbaugh suspension because that's the one that is, to me, it's so clean. I, I, that's even in the, they use our word here. They go the cleanest penalty. That's the cleanest for sure. You shut him down for the rest of the year. And now that could be a rallying cry for that team. Um, but I don't want to see that. I don't want to see the players on that team punished. I'm not interested in that. No, even um, if they, they already don't from the scandal. Yeah, right. They're not going to have the advanced scouting now anyway. Like that's done. They've been caught, so that part's done. And Harbaugh's just needs to be sat down. But Michigan's defense of this is lone wolf, rogue agent, someone trying to bring down Harbaugh. There is not not one time have they been in front of a microphone. Have they put out a statement that said this didn't happen because it all happened? There's proof. Yeah, there's <laughs> there, no. These way are to not allegations. It. It all happened. This guy did all of this. What he did with the information, we get video of him on the sidelines at the Ohio State-Michigan game talking, standing next to defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. Like, we got to stop using the word allegations. This happened. It happened to such a verifiable degree that Central Michigan is days into an investigation on just who exactly was that guy on the sideline. How do you not know by now? How could it take this long to figure out who was on your sideline on on a game day? This is the wet bandits at the sink. Oh, thanks okay? for leaving on the sinks. Now we know every house now we, we know had everything. on the block. It's all the proof. It's all there. Like there's nothing. There's no more investigation that is needed. It's all there. It's just how do you land the plane if you're the commissioner who's a year on the job and you're talking about an undefeated team who's a back-to-back Big Ten champion. How do you land the plane on that? But the proof is overwhelming that this happened. And I like the fact that the Purdue coach had the guts to say, this happened. Like, forget allegations. It happened. It happened to us. We know it happened to us. Go it ahead, does please. also allow, real quick, just for other members of the media to ask coaches what they think of Ryan Waters' comments. Oh, bring us some fire. You're right? the Shiano so man. They don't necessarily yeah. <laughs> need to go, what do you think of the Michigan investigation? Or what do you think of the allegations towards the University of Michigan football team? They can go, what do you think of his comments that he made earlier this week? I think you can also now say, Purdue coach Ryan Walters said that this happened to them. Did it happen to you? And now it opens up that line of questioning. Yeah. Where you can say, yeah, it, we know it happened to us too. Um, so Tony Petini's got that job to do. I think he really blew it. You blew it, boy. When I look at this 2024, we're getting the dates of, of when Ohio State's playing, how they handled this new Big Ten is a failure at the highest level. We'll get to it coming up next. Bishop and Friends are here on The Fan. First Friday miracles are always better with Uncle Bo. This is Bishop and Friends. I mean, I'm just thinking, uh, we got this tweeted. We didn't even talk about the staffer that was fired up there from trying to solicit an underage girl 13 year old girl so we didn't even get to that part at Michigan so they got that going on they, they fired uh, Shemi Schembechler last year with the social media stuff you've got a still ongoing investigation into the recruiting dead period where my guess is it's not just as simple as you bought a hamburger my guess is that's not it and by you the way Michigan already took Michigan already Harbaugh's already sat down three games for that mm-hmm and then you got this. Like, what other – am I missing anything? Weiss. Is there any other – Computer crimes, alleged oh, computer, computer crimes. crimes Weiss. Weiss. <laughs> Good God. Five scandals in, in 18 months? Over their most successful period as well. Like, the, the, wow. during the – really, since the – yeah, I mean, it goes back before the Harbaugh era. This is their most successful period in about 15 years, and all of this is – now they're embroiled in all this scandal. Man. There's a lot of lot of irons in the fire up there. Um, and you want to talk about lack of institutional control. 
I feel like that would apply to the University of Michigan. You know, I mean, there is it's like a Rico case. <laughs> so many you pick it, whatever you want to get them on, you can get them on. That's that's kind of the way that it stands. Um, one of the things I've been very critical about is the Big Ten's lack their lack of give a damn for. I guess how do you put this? How do you sell this? How do you how do you how do you properly articulate this? Their inability to give us what we want as college football fans, or their unwillingness, rather, to give us what we want as college football fans. That's probably the best way to put it. If you're adding, as this league is, USC, Oregon, UCLA, and Washington, I had a big problem when they announced the opponents that you were not going to get USC in year one. That was abject failure to not get Ohio State, USC in year one. Um, and so you're only going to get one of them. You're going to get Oregon. I was shocked that they're not going to have Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA play every year. To me, that seemed like an absolute layup. I was incredibly bothered by the fact that Penn State didn't want to play Ohio State every year, so you weren't going to get that game every year. And then yesterday, they dropped this schedule. So when you have the opportunity to welcome in four new members, and if, if I'm running a league, I'm going to play the hits early and often. I'm playing the hits. USC, welcome to the league. Well, they took care of them. They're going to play Michigan in their first Big Ten conference game. And that's it. Nobody else played the hits. So Ohio State, and think about it, even from a traditional standpoint, the Michigan State game is usually played in November. That's always when that game is played. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to open Big Ten play at Michigan State, September 28th. Come again? Really? How do you not go to Oregon if, if you're gonna, if you're not gonna play Washington, you're not gonna play UCLA, you're not gonna play USC in year one. How do you not go September 28th at Eugene? How do you not kick this thing off right and and have those teams play the the big behemoth teams right away? Why would you be uninspiring with this? This is nonsense. Ohio State schedule next year, folks, is it's just it's god awful. It's it's terrible. Uh, Southern Miss, Western Michigan, Marshall. At Michigan State, this is the order. The order is out now. Iowa at home, um, at Oregon, Nebraska here, at Penn State, Purdue here, at Northwestern, Indiana here, and then Michigan on the 30th. Those, that's your slate for next season. The notion that you wouldn't play the Oregon game and have those teams welcomed into the Big Ten right away, the idea that you would have the first team Ohio State plays in conference play at Michigan State, which doesn't make sense for where that game is traditionally played, it's like they pick and choose what things to hold nearest and dearest to them. And it feels like Ohio State's on the short end of this over and over and over again. At Oregon also could have been the return of the game that didn't happen in 2020 when it yeah, did happen in 2021 is, and Oregon came here and beat Ohio State. Look at all the narratives you could build there. They don't, yeah, they don't seem to care about the excitement of the narratives that people can get in, that they're more worried about all the logistics of it and making sure that you have an off week or a home week after you're one of those West teams that has to travel very far east. And that's, that's a good thing, but overall, it's, you're making the television shows. That's why you really did all this. Anyways, was this just out of the goodness over your heart that you accepted four pack 12 teams to come on over to the big 10 no it's because it makes your product more intriguing to the people that are paying your conference to air it on television and they're not quite hitting that and i also don't think they at the same time they didn't really do any favors because to these west teams because i think that it's important that usc oregon and washington are able to continue some of the momentum they've had over the last two years as they get into the big 10 if you look into the schedules 
USC, as you mentioned, at Michigan is their first Big Ten game. It's their third game of the year. They have LSU in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas to open the year. They also have Penn State on their schedule. They have at Washington. They have at UCLA. And then they've got Notre Dame at the end of the year. That's going to be a tough sled for year one. quarterback. Then looking at Oregon, I don't know how this happens. I don't know if they're going to try to get out of one of these contracts. But there's already two off weeks in the season. Oregon plays uh, 13 games next year. And I double-checked this because I was on FBSchedules.com and I went to Oregon's official announcement. Yes, they have four out-of-conference games. At Hawaii, Idaho, Texas Tech, Boise State. They'll and buy then they out play It feels like one will be canceled. Yeah, yeah they got to buy out. They'll buy There's out. There's no way Idaho. they're going to play 13. But as no, of right no, no, now, no. they have 13 on their schedule. They've also got an at Michigan game, an at Wisconsin game. Of course, Washington's on their schedule and Ohio State is on their schedule at their place as well. And then Washington, looking at theirs, theirs is probably the best setup for success, but they've still got Michigan at Iowa, USC at Penn State, and at Oregon. Just sucks that you couldn't help out some of your bigger programs with more market. I guess your biggest program with your biggest better matchups, and yet you get Purdue and USC at West Lafayette because you got everybody else got taken care of. Reese, that needs to happen for some. And I get why that needs to happen is because you can sell that to a, a network saying, "Oh, we got USC and Purdue for the first time," and who actually cares? You can take the first month off next year for Ohio State. You don't need yep. to watch in September, essentially. I mean, with all we will. respect to Iowa, like it, you really can go until the Oregon game. It's a yeah, tune, I think it's, it's, every, it's all tune up until the Oregon game. That's that's the one. It's all. I mean, can you imagine that? Like, not a thing in the early going where you go, okay, there's a doubt. There's no doubt. You, you, I mean, we're a year out, guys. Which game am I most uh, excited for at the beginning of Ohio State season next year? The answer is none. Wouldn't it make no, more sense games. to give your marquee teams the more marquee matchups in the first couple of years, and then? trickled down the rest one of the, the biggest well, end did of the it, decade though. reese it's a good question but they actually did it to for everybody else except ohio state they took care of michigan michigan's getting usc year week one in the big house they're getting it ohio state they didn't take care of them at all and if if there was a year to take care of the buckeyes it's next year because the year after that alabama is it alabama or texas one of them's on the schedule they either go texas texas and then alabama alabama or it's or that's inverted but that's the way that it goes like this was the year to give Ohio State a home game with somebody with some teeth. This was it. Put another, UCLA in the shoe. Another note to that was, makes it pretty clear that they don't know what they're doing with what they've they've garnered here and what they have. The 2024 schedule, which was released yesterday for the Big Ten, does not include a conference game during the opening weekend and only one in week two and one in week three. So the first three weeks of the season, we only have Two Big Ten games, and they're Michigan State at Maryland and Indiana at UCLA. So that's the closest we get to involving one of the new schools. It's the least important what did you just of say the it four. Was? It's Indiana, UCLA. What's the other one? And Michigan State at Maryland. Those are the, the, the first two Big Ten games, of, and they're the only two Big Ten games in the first three weeks of the season. Let's just fail. There's no Big Ten game in the opening week. That's, yeah, when, that's, you play, uh, that's when you play Michigan play- at U.S. or USC at Michigan. That's when you well, play Michigan that one. Play, I think Michigan plays Texas next year, don't they? Oh, do they have that? They got a big that Michigan schedule next year. Like we can go at them now for the schedule this year, but I think Michigan either plays they Michigan have, plays a monster opponent next year. They've got Texas too. at uh, yeah September seventh, second okay, week of the so year. So they're going to go Texas and USC in the first month of the season. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you would have known that Ohio State has nobody in non conference next year. Make it right. Oh, well, they've already the got Western Michigan scheduled. Well, move so it. So move it. <laughs> this isn't hard. Like, find another date for it. 
Um, this from the league, the league's first schedule with 18 members, each playing nine conference games was shaped using the flex power. I mean, they put Roman numerals. It's flex 18? protect 18 model. Oh, Cause there's 18 teams. Oh my God. And they even use Roman noodles, which includes 12 annual protected rivals, a robust rotation to avoid the long gaps between pairings present in other conferences. The big 10 also ensured that any team from the Eastern or central time zone traveling to the West coast to any of our four Western editions traveling East would either have a home game or an open week following the lengthy trips. Really? They're on charters. Can we settle down with the lengthy trips? Both in 2024 and 2025 seasons contain two open weeks per team, which made the scheduling process easier. Big Ten, uh, that's from uh, out of the Big Ten. The, um, it's, it's, a, it's a miss. So it's they, a misfire in every way, and the, it's a misfire most especially to, the pro, to this program. It's, it's a misfire for Ohio State more than anybody else. They, the idea that USC is going to play LSU and Michigan in the first month and that Michigan's going to play Texas and USC in the first month and Ohio State's not going to play anybody where there's any threat until at Oregon on October 12th is a failure. This is one of the biggest. This is a top three big brand in all of the sport and probably the biggest, quite honestly, and you didn't take care of them again. Again. With two off weeks, too. Like, did you really have to worry about it so much that it's and it's not because they're moving back to week zero. That first that week one is August 31st. There are some people playing on August 24th. It's just one of those years where the calendar falls, where Thanksgiving is going to be very far out. So there's just an extra week in there from uh, what is it? Labor Day until Thanksgiving weekend. So with that, you could have really set some some cool things up instead of just making sure that you sprinkled in the off weeks at the right time to accommodate travel. We're going to go race. Reese, get your excitement level. We're going to go Southern Miss at home, Western Michigan at home, bye week. Then Buy Marshall. tickets now. Then Marshall. That's the first month. Good Lord. Do them a solid. Do them a solid. Do this fan base a solid. Give them a game to look forward to. You had the opportunity, and you absolutely blew it. Yeah, just move that Oregon to off. <laughs> That's it. It's, Move at Oregon hard. to off. Get rid of their Boise State game that's supposed to be played on uh, September 14th. That would be their fourth out-of-conference game anyways. Yeah. It, this, this wasn't hard, and they, they absolutely blew it. Um, pretty fun weekend, uh, real quickly, over the weekend slate. A lot of good ones, as Chops mentioned earlier in the show. Every window is locked in and loaded. We mentioned, obviously, our game in the noon window. Texas A&M at Ole Miss in the noon window. Notre Dame at Clemson in the noon window. The 3.30 window tomorrow gets you Missouri at Georgia. Gets you Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Last Bedlam. There's no Bedlam on the schedule uh, going forward. So that that would be that game's in that 3.30 window. Purdue at Michigan at 7.30 at night. And the, the primetime window is really good. Washington at USC as well. And then LSU at Bama. So some elimination games for teams that are trying to get themselves in a position to go chase a national championship. So while our game is what it is, there are it's a really strong slate of games throughout the day. As for our game, when the Buckeyes have the ball, what do you need to see out of your quarterback? And what do you need to see out of a Buckeye offense that feels like it's healthy for the first time since probably the Notre Dame game? We will get into that coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. I hope you're not working because we barely are. It's Football Friday. Sponsored by the Bet Park Sportsbook app. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. After putting up with Tom Tiberi for a decade, the broadcast gods gave Bo these two. This is Bishop and Friends. 
And my friends, turn up the excitement with the Tipico Sportsbook this season. Download the Tipico Sportsbook app right now. Enter the promo code BISHOP150 to claim your exclusive welcome offer. $150 in bets along with a $30 pro football bonus bet when you deposit 50 bucks or more. Tipico Sportsbook is always your best bet during football season. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Ohio. New customers only. Terms and conditions do apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER for more on that. Yeah, it's really when you... I was just thinking about, we were talking about this in the break. We'll get to the Buckeye offense, and you'll hear from Kyle and Marvin in just a second. But it, it really is from a, in terms of you, the fan, who are being asked to purchase these tickets, what, what are you what are you getting here, guys? I mean, you're talking about the, the home slate is Southern Miss, Western Michigan, Marshall, Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue, Indiana, and Michigan. That's, the, that's next year. That's what's going to be trotted out at the shoe. There's going to be empties. A lot of them. There's going to be a lot of people who buy their season tickets just for the Michigan ticket. Well, that's, it'll probably be worth it, price-wise, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what you're going to do with will. the other tickets. Sell no, them. There's, there's a lot of forgettable games. Who, to sell them to who, Reeser? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, who's buying this stuff? Who's buying? I mean, you're going to be – how do you even put a price tag on Purdue on November 9th? Like, what? what's your mar- – they used to do that thing where they'd be like, these are our – our marquee games, and it was always Michigan, and there are three or four others. One was a big non-conference. And I understand that this is also – isn't somebody off the schedule who was supposed to be on? There was a, a – wasn't there a game buyout? I think you're right, or, but I don't remember who. I don't remember who it was from a long, long time ago because these things get scheduled out so far. But, um, yeah, it's an it's an abject failure in scheduling for sure that, that this is going to be what you're trotting out there to your fans and say, yeah, here's – charge them whatever the ticket price is on some of these games for those that first month. And then, honestly, with the Big Ten slate, to not have – they had an ability to fix this and to do it right and give you a, a, a monster, another big game in, in the conference. And they could have just had one of the West Coast teams play here next year. I got a text from somebody in the break that was you know saying they, they do care about TV. And I said, well, they care about it in the wrong way. And I, th- I think he's right that they – the schedule makers care about the television. We saw this when it first came out what the opponents would be, but now that we have them in this order, it's very clear that they just want to make sure that they have enough of the marquee team spread out that at least there's three of Michigan, Ohio State, Washington, USC, That they, those games, and if you cross-pollinate too much between those, then you're not going to have those enough games to give to your network partners, but it just stinks. They, they, they're banking on Ohio State to lift up the garbage. Right. So, yes, they care about television first and foremost. They know that they can put the Buckeyes on at noon, 3.30 or 7.30 on national television against anybody, and it will rate. And that's the reality. Now, you suffer for it. Go ahead, Reese. Well, I stayed ahead with uh, Washington, 24 okay, and 25. So I, knew that, I knew that there was something that was supposed to be played because there was just no way that you were going to – that this was what was intended. Gene would not have intended for this to be the case, but the league should have made it right with the schedule. I mean, you could have played both Oregon and Washington in year one. That's no big deal. Put Washington here. Yeah, I mean, I, I listed off the Washington and U.S. They already made those schedules pretty difficult for those teams. Just throw Ohio State onto one of them instead. That's all you had to do. You had to. You need to. They need to do a better job in the future. They're so worried. taking care of Ohio State because Ohio State's taken care of this conference for a long time. They're so worried about making sure that they have all the four million viewer games that they're not prioritizing the 9 million viewer games, which is the whole reason you add these teams and go to 18. There's no question. And the reality is is that this league has a lot of bad. So it goes back to your conversation we had in the summer where you go to 10 conference games very easily in the Big Ten because there's a lot of bad in this league. that that, 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 There are a lot of cupcakes that you can take care of. Um, 
I think that Rutgers still remains one of those, but this will be the biggest test until Ann Arbor at the end of the season. And you're going to be healthy, and that's a big part of it. First time in a very, very long time. That will start with Kyle McCord. Let's hear from him on, of course, well, let's start with the Marvin angle to this because his march toward the Heisman certainly has already begun. It began in the Penn State game. It will build every single week, pointing to Michigan. That's where he needs to have the big one if he's going to try to bring home the stiff arm trophy. Here's Kyle McCord on Marvin, and you can never target him enough. I think that's kind of how it was uh, in high school. I mean, we had a good receiving core in high school, but obviously, you know, given the the type of player he is, um, you know, there's a lot of times where it's not uh, a bad answer to try and find him, you know, regardless of the route and the coverage. You know, he's going to do a good job of finding a way to get open. And, um, you know, I think you guys see that day in and day out from him. Um, It's just how consistent he is. Uh, You know, I don't think it really matters. Uh, what the defense tries to uh, do to him, what route we give him, he's going to find a way to get open and make plays. And he's done that over the course of the last month without having someone on the opposite side who is a first-round pick. That will change tomorrow. Here's Kyle on Emeka Buka returning to the lineup. Early on, obviously, you know, Mech had a, a really big impact uh, in, in the games he played with, or played with uh, together. And, um, you know, he did a, a good job of, um, you know, making plays with the ball in his hand. Obviously, the Notre Dame game, you know, he had a big game there uh, with some clutch plays. And so, you know, I, I think people kind of just assume, you know, that we have Marvin, you know, Mech, you know, doesn't really have a big role in the offense, and I don't think that's true at all. I think you saw it especially early on, early on the year, um, you know, exploiting matchups with him. And so to get a guy like that back is, is huge. And so, I mean, he's looked really good in practice. And, um, you know, I thought he was going to be – good enough to go last weekend uh but i think they they just played it safe so um you know whenever that that game comes when he's finally back out there i'm excited for it i mean marv has been bracketed double teamed all of the focus i mean you want to talk about somebody who's probably excited to get back i would imagine front of that list is Emeka Abuka. here's marvin harrison jr on how they've been able to win without him i just think back to all of last year we didn't have jackson the whole year and you know, we think we were one of the best teams in the country then so um it does it does suck but you know it's next next man up mentality um, the Carnell stepped in. He's uh, played for tremendous. Um, the Julian, uh, Xavier, uh, for, speaking for receivers, obviously, but uh, it's a next man up mentality. It's great to be able to have that next man up mentality, and it's true, especially in the receiving core for Ohio State, but to also there and be able to acknowledge that, yeah, we're better when Emeka is out for there. Sure. He's a better player than the guys we have right now, or at least at where he is right now. Who knows what the future holds for people like Carnell Tate? Well, even just having him out there, you've got a yeah. game plan for him. And so taking one person away or putting your defense in a situation where you've kind of got to pick your poison, do you add another guy on Igbuka and say to you know one of your defensive backs, it's just you and 18, good luck. Penn State tried a couple of single coverages on uh, Marvin Purdue Harrison. Purdue was that trying that as well. And it's like, guys, it's, this is silly. Well, Purdue, that was, yeah, Purdue's very silly. I think from a, um, what I'm curious about, again, is and it, it usually is where I'm, focused when these games kick off is the approach of Ryan Day. Um, what is he trying to get going offensively? And I, I think that he has been so bothered by their inability to get the run game going that that's been his entire focus to start games is we are going to establish the run. We have to be able to establish the run. Um, they tough. did that last week. They did it. They established the run. Travion's back. And so you have that. You have an ability to run the football, and you should have quite a bit of confidence in that in that now based on what Trevion Henderson can do. So I think the next thing that he's got to do, and I, I think when you think about this offensively, this will be a common theme over the course of the next month. We said through the Penn State game, Kyle McCord play clean. 
Play clean, win. Play clean, win. Yep, that'll work this week. That'll work next week. That'll work the next week. That won't work the, the fourth week. That won't work in Ann Arbor. So between now and Ann Arbor, Kyle McCord needs to go from being a clean quarterback to being a great quarterback because I think you're going to need greatness out of him to go win against Michigan at the end of the year. And I think he's got that in him, and now they're healthy. So I, I'm curious to see how Ryan plays it tomorrow with the pass game, how aggressive is he early on, and what does that look like? Because I think it's really critical that they have that established going into Ann Arbor. We'll ask Tim May about this coming up next. Fishman Friends right here on The Fan. Pull up a stool and ask the bartender for something neat because Uncle Bo is on the radio. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, let's head on to the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Conversation with our great friend Tim May, the Tim May Show at Letterman Row and right here on The Fan. Um, all right, we'll get into the game in a second. We had coaches talking to Tony Petiti on Wednesday. We had athletic directors talking to Tony Petiti uh, yesterday. We had the head coach of Purdue saying, look, these aren't allegations. Like, we have the proof. We know they were doing this. Yeah. What is the Big Ten waiting on? How do they land this plane that satisfies the people who are aggrieved? I mean, it's playing with everybody shouting at each other and uh, shouting at the pilot. Uh, yeah. You know, I was on a – I was on a Michigan radio show last week this time and, and got into, I don't I didn't, I wasn't yelling, but the guy was yelling at me about oh, really? sign stealing. Yeah. The guy was yelling at me about signs. I said, no, this isn't about sign stealing. It's about breaking an NCAA rule about yeah. advanced scouting, you know? And, uh, and I, for then, matter of fact, I even said this, I think on your show, I mean, uh, I thought Petiti needed to bring the athletic directors of the conference together and go, what is a fair, and just punishment for this. We, you know, basically we know, you know, X, Y, and Z has happened, just like Ryan Walters alluded to. Yeah. And uh, we have proof of that. So, you know, you can, you can go after somebody and not have a, you know, that, what, what do they call that in, uh, in district attorney talk? Maybe, maybe not have that full complement of charges, but have enough charges, you know? And I said, and I, I put, it, put it to this guy, I said, well, what Michigan ought to do is the right thing and perhaps suspend a couple of people. And uh, for a duration, you know, whatever they they deem is correct, or if Tony Petiti signs off on that, would that would solve it for everybody? And it appears that that's exactly uh, what is trying, what they're trying to make take place. You know, we'll see if that happens. But I think Petiti needs to act before the season is over, not next year. And I think, uh, this he has happened, to, Tim. This happened this year. It's like getting pulled over for a speeding ticket. Yeah, you might have to uh, appear in front of a. Uh, you know, justice of the peace two weeks later, but it's not, you know, two years later. And, uh, this is, this is definitely a big time speeding ticket. Not, nothing more than that, but, uh, take, take your medicine and, uh, move on. Don't, don't, don't leave this whole season. This season's already under a cloud for them at Michigan, but don't leave the whole season under a cloud is the way I would look at it. And, and basically, Bo, this is what's stu- always been stunning to me about covering major college sports and football in particular is these are supposedly uh, bastions of higher learning and integrity <laughs> and morals and stuff. And yeah. the NCAA rule book is about as thick as the Bible, if not more, you know, yeah. and then on top of that, they're all, everybody's always looking for an edge and instead of necessarily doing the right thing. And, uh, well, if you want to guide young people, that's your mission, step up and say, Hey, look, this happened. This happened under our watch. We're going to take X, Y, and Z measures. We're going to make sure also it doesn't happen again. And I'm going to step aside whoever that who, you know, I is 
and uh, and then move on from there. It, Nothing see, to see here, kids. <laughs> yeah, it's no that we all know that's never going to happen. I, they, to me, I, I just don't know. I, I don't. You know think Michigan's going to take it? You think Michigan's going to say we're we're shutting down Harbaugh? They're talking about a, conf- a, a contract extension with him this week. I know, I know, but boy, boy, are we getting mixed signals off of that too? Right, right. It yeah. was like it was going to happen two days ago, and it didn't happen. Right, and uh, uh, right on down the line. I mean, well, we're I getting. Think, don't you, you don't know, you think they floated it, Tim, to just see the reaction, and yeah. they went, "Oh God, we, we maybe we should wait on this." I, I think a lot of things are in play there. I think floating yeah. is definitely. I think floating is what this thing's all about, like a leaf down a creek, yeah. and uh, so. Uh, you know, it would be interesting to see by the end of the day today what's up is all I can say. Yeah, it, it will be, and I, I think it's got to be swift. And I think I mean, the only thing that's really going to be clean is a suspension of Harbaugh. Anything else will fall short of that. And clearly Michigan's view of this is they're going to try and spin it like this Stallions guy was a lone lone wolf, right? He was a rogue agent, which is just nonsensical, yeah, which we all know. He was a lone, he was a lone wolf who came back to the pack, you know, on game days, you know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, whatever, whatever uh, knowledge uh, he was, he was giving it to the pack. The knowledge based on just watching, no watching uh, these sideline videos. Boy, it is amazing, man. This, this is this is the era, man. Uh, the sky and the eye, as you well know, Bo, working in that medium for so so long. The sky and the eye does not blink. No, no, it's on all the time. Um, we were, I led the show with this from the standpoint of we're a month left into this season, which is amazing to me that we're already there. Uh, you got yeah. a month left, and I don't know, Tim, if there is a great team playing college football. Uh, there's not a dominant team. There's dominant individuals. We have one, Marvin Harrison Jr., who's been a dominant individual. There are some of those yeah. sprinkled around the country. But I haven't seen one team, and I went through all the big wins Certainly there's times when the Buckeye defense looks dominant, but it hasn't been married to a Buckeye offense that's been dominant in those same games. And I'm not just talking about them, I'm talking about around the country. You've been around this sport a long time. It feels like there are eight or nine teams that you could look at and go, yeah, I could see them winning the national title. Yeah, Urban Meyer and I talked about that again this week on Urban's Take. There is no dominant team. You know, I really, I mean, Georgia was undefeated last year and beat, you know, and beat Ohio State on, you know, in the last second when a field goal missed, but we all saw Georgia was not a dominant defense like everybody thought it was or a dominant team. I mean, Ohio State scored 41 on them, for goodness sakes, and didn't have the best player in the country available right. for the uh, third for the fourth quarter or their tight end available for the last two and a half quarters. I'm just trying to say a lot of words in, in fast here because you're exactly right. There is no – there are a lot of teams that can beat each other on a given day. Kansas State can beat Texas tomorrow. Watch. Texas will, will not will, – will bump them. I mean, but uh, – uh, probably, but Kansas State can beat Texas tomorrow, and just at, the week after Kansas beat Oklahoma. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, uh, I agree with you 100. Uh, percent It's well, if you get in this tournament, any four of the teams that make the tournament, I think, have a legitimate shot because they've all got their weaknesses. But they've also the top four, for example, this week have shown they can come up with plays when they need them. Right? Uh, Absolutely. Ohio State, case in point, wrote a story for Letterman Row that's going to. You know, pop either this afternoon or tomorrow morning about uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. in this streaky zone of four 100-yard-plus receiving games, and he's six out of eight in that category this year. Uh, but, uh, you know, the only thing on his mind, as he said, is not the number of completions, just number of wins. He wants to win every game. And uh, yeah. and then and then look at it later, you know, what are his numbers. But, but yeah, there are a lot of teams with a, with a lot of their 
every team has that stud player, one one form or another, that is carrying them, and you know, in some form or fashion. I know I've got a lot of oars in there, but I have a you know, Ohio State does play Minnesota in two weeks. That's but the true, bottom yeah. line is, uh, uh, yes, I agree with you 100. percent I mean, like Rutgers tomorrow. You know, don't be surprised if Rutgers give Ohio State a game at least for a half because Rutgers sure. has got some pretty good players. They just don't have the depth or the breadth of Ohio State from a talent standpoint. But it, yeah, I agree with you. I don't even, I don't even really remember totally what the question was, but I agree. Yeah, you, with you. Well, that's always a good way to, that's always a good way to finish it is that way. If you agree with me, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I made the case through much of this season that Kyle McCord, because of the talent advantages that you had, and he's had great moments. The drive against Notre Dame is a great moment. Um, that, that, but, but by and large, he doesn't, and and he, I said this going into the Penn State game, he didn't have to be great in that game. He just had to be clean, like no turnovers. And he did it. He, he checked that box. I think he's going to have to be, I think he needs to find another gear, though, to win in Ann Arbor. Do you think that that gear is there, and do you think that we will start to see the build towards Ann Arbor from a passing game standpoint with him, maybe even starting as early as tomorrow at Rutgers? Well, my bold prediction for Lennon Monroe this week, a scoop here for you, is uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. to catch at least three touchdown passes tomorrow. So for that to happen. That'll do it. <laughs> if A, then B, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, here's the thing. What you what you say about Cal McCord is he's been streaky or inconsistent, whatever you want to call. But in the clutch, he's been very good. But mm-hmm. you know, like last week, uh, three turnovers, two interceptions, and a fumble. You know, can't have that. Can't have that for your starting quarterback uh, down the stretch. And you know, game there have been a couple of games that have been close because he has been inconsistent. Obviously, he's dealing with that left ankle uh, situation, which is not helping him at all. But uh, like uh, last week, I mean. I mean, Notre Dame game didn't need to be that close. Penn State didn't need to be that close. And definitely last week was a two-touchdown win finally, but it didn't need to be that close. That's how close Ohio State is into really getting this offense really revved up. And and he is at the heart of it, and everybody knows it. And he knows it. He knows he hadn't played his best complete game yet. Heck, I wrote a story about that last week, you know, going into the game. If they ever get this complete game going, you know, I think this team can go play six. I'm telling you something, Bo. Uh, this is a real, in this age of offense, this is a real defense Ohio State's throwing out there every week. There's no doubt about it. It's kind of, Jim Knowles kind of blanched a little bit this one. I said, yeah, you guys give up one touchdown drive a game, you know, and he kind of like yeah. looked at me funny. But that's about it. Uh, you know, you got to score, if Ohio State can score 25 points, you got to think they can win almost any game they're in. And that means even maybe the end of the regular season. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's kind of the one thing you're waiting on is you're waiting for that offense to go. The return of a Mecca book is going to be a big one tomorrow. So I, I yeah, think that there is a, big, an opportunity huge. there. Uh, that'll that be a huge. good one. All right, good talking to you, buddy, as always. It is always a pleasure, Bo. You know that, man. The great Tim May, the Tim May Show at Letterman Row and right here on The Fan. We hit thing or not a thing up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. And- if you say something with enough confidence, it must be true. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. I turned a little thing or not a thing on a football Friday. Hit it, fellas. Things or not a thing. Sponsored by Apex Plumbing Pros. All right, this from Ross Dellinger's latest feature on Saturday. CBS holds a final SEC doubleheader. Missouri at Georgia at 3.30, LSU at Alabama 7.45. 
One of the most successful marriages in sports and media is ending in a divorce that will see CBS partner with SEC rival Big Ten inside the end of an era. One of the quotes that stood out to me was from former Florida president Bernie Ma- Macon. Who, Matchin. Matchin. There yep. we go. I thought you might know it. Yeah. Who presided then over the SEC president and chaired the league's media rights committee. Quote, the $55 million is burned in my brain. It never went up. They just dug their heels in. They would not move. I don't know why. We thought CBS would fold. We thought they would get competitive. We thought at the end of the contract they'd fear losing us and it would bump. Thing or not a thing? So this was... So 55... I'm just trying to understand this. So this is from the perspective of when they went to like stay on CBS. CBS would not go over 55 million a year for the package, which is the cheapest best deal in the history of sports. Now, the smart part of it is both benefited. Right? This became over the course of 30 years, this became the time slot in the sport. I, I saw Sean McManus, the uh, president of CBS um, Sports, saying that that he thinks it'll be that it's the most valuable time slot in college sports, and it'll be the same value whether it's a Big Ten team or an SEC team. Um, the pushback I would have for that is that's fine if you're going to put Ohio State against USC at 3:30, then you got a chance. But you're not. You're not going to get that every single week. The idea that the that the on a every single Saturday at 3:30, you had the best game in that conference for 30 years. It benefited CBS and it benefited the SEC. And I am going to miss it. I liked having it there, that it was there every week. Um, and it is surprising to me that CBS didn't stay in it. I mean, that's great. Love that music. That it's surprising to me that CBS didn't go heavy and hard for to keep that in their time. So it was such a part of their tradition. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, as you said, like one of the most successful partnerships in history between a network and a league or a network and a sport. Um, just a, a weird thing that I think from both sides that that CBS. I, I don't know. I guess I don't know just what CBS. I guess what would they have thought would have been a better move? I mean, I guess the one that they made. Well, they um, were forced to though, right, Reese? They kind of right. had to. You're either you're going to be in football or you're not. I mean, it's. This is this this is the most succinct and important statement in the whole thing when it comes to this. This allowed for, and this is why the SEC presidents never really pushed back too much on this or never wanted more money from them. This allowed for the most regional of conferences to be national. That's it. And that's to everybody. Huge. Yeah, that's huge. And look at what they've done with it in that time frame. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's huge. Speaking to an Orlando radio station, Magic forward Joe Ingles said his former Jazz teammate Donovan Mitchell will one day play for the New York Knicks. Quote, this is like non-bias, no outside info. I think he'll play for New York one day, whether that's sooner or later. I think it would be great for New York, and I think that would be great for him. Whether or not that actually happens, we'll wait and see. End quote. Mitchell can become a free agent in 2025. Thing or not a thing? What does no outside info mean? Yeah. I think it means no inside just, info. Just no inside, yeah. <laughs> um, so, fine. Here, you know why it's not a thing? Because Donovan Mitchell's not that good. He's nice. He's a really good player. He's an all-star player. He's a very, very good player. He is not... He comes to your team, you win a championship player. He's not that. He's a really, really good player. I don't, I'm not diminishing him. He's a, probably a top 20 player in the league. But he's not a top five. He's not Durant in his prime. He's not Steph in his prime. He's not that... He's not Giannis. He's the group below them. So he can go to the Knicks. They won't win anything. Fine. Enjoy it. 
And by the way, he's fun. I like watching him play. I'm glad he's with the Cavs. It's a fun time watching him. But there's a ceiling to it, and it's hard. Yeah, you're right. He's definitely not hardened going to the Clippers, which is a seismic move in the NBA. But no, the same thing would happen if Donovan Mitchell ever asked to be traded from the Cavs and was put on the block and he ended up on the Knicks and, you know, this came to fruition. NBA Twitter would go crazy over it about, oh, the Knicks are back. They're finally going to break these streaks and they're going to go and they're going to win the NBA finals. But no, he's not that guy who's going to change it. And I think the Cavs, who were a team that was already set up to be good, adds him, got better for sure. But it doesn't look like it's going to push them over the hump in, in any super meaningful way. Hopefully, maybe you can get at least a playoff series win and have something in the post-LeBron era. But if he wants to play for the Knicks, yeah, I bet he will find a way to make that happen at some point. Because every NBA player wants to play for a team, most of them find a way to make that happen. Yeah, Harden's done that like six times. In the ongoing legal battle for the control of the Pac-12, the 10 departing universities expressed concern that if Oregon State and Washington State were to obtain complete control of the conference board, they could attempt to withhold revenue distribution from the 23-24 school year from the departing members. The Good. schools made their thoughts known in a filing on Thursday opposing a motion for a pre- preliminary injunction. A joint statement from the departing 10 schools in part said, quote, Granting OSU and WSU unilateral authority over hundreds of millions of dollars in 2023 to 2024 revenue needed this year to run our athletics programs would harm our universities, including our ability to provide critical resources and opportunities for our student athletes. End quote. Thing or not a thing? I mean, it's it's a thing. Clearly, I'm sure that the schools that are that filed this suit will win because they're still a member of this conference. But I wish they wouldn't. I wish that Oregon State and Washington State could be made whole somehow by this. Um, and I'm still shocked that, that these two schools were not good enough to be in the Big 12. I don't understand that at all. Is there some way that they can both lose this, lose the, I guess, win, obtain complete control, Oregon State and Washington, but lose the lose like the revenue? Some sort of stipulation that says you have to pay it you out. You have to pay it out, but you also get control because I, I don't want the Pac-12 to be completely dead. And but, I think this would, uh, if they're able to, uh, or if the schools that are gone are able to get the revenue and uh, hold control away from or wrestle control away from Washington State and Oregon State completely, does that kill it dead? I think what they, yeah, probably. I, I think what they're... Clearly, what Oregon State and Washington State is to maintain that brand, yep, so that mm-hmm. they can rebrand the Mountain West. Like, do that, that, but don't try to f with people's money. And yeah, I don't think you're going to get their money. I think they'll do the money. correct payouts, but the reason the money is kind of intertwined at this point is they also Oregon, uh, Oregon State, and Washington State want to prevent the leaving members from essentially liquidating the assets of the Pac-12 as well. Right. And oh, we'll we'll just take all that money. It's like hold on. We're still here. We're still here. We didn't yeah. get an invite to prom, so, so it's a give it's them a messy the payouts legal from the media, and yeah. you keep everything else. I think we're going to get more of a settlement yeah. situation than a ruling situation. Because yeah. those two schools right now, they, I, I can't see a, a situation where they want to either pay for the the legal resources it would to have a drag out fight like this, or could they financially? Is it financially doable? And it's just funny that the the departing schools are like, oh, these resources and opportunities for our student athletes. What about the resources and opportunities of the two teams you left out in the cold? I, I mean, I, honestly, like as we're talking about this, and I just looked at the Big Ten schedule for twenty twenty four. I wish we were playing Oregon, yeah. Oregon State. I wish you're playing. Washington play the Beavers. State. Play the Cougars. Yeah. Go out yeah, there can, and play. You it. can. You can have Indiana. Like I'd, I'd like to see Oregon State. I'll oh, give them Maryland. The shoe. Give them Washington State in the shoe. Washington State beat Wisconsin this year. I'd take that. 
I, I think it's amazing, those two schools. I understand it. I know why it happened. But the idea that they're just hanging out there floating in the wind, even now when I see it, seems insane also, to me. And okay. it would have been, you could have created a Big Ten and a Pac-10 inside the Big Ten. How crazy is it, it that Oregon is playing 13 games and says, yeah, but we don't need to play Oregon State. That's They're not on that schedule. I guess I didn't even look at that. So that's not on. They're no, not playing yeah. the Civil War. The Civil War's gone. Yeah, Bedlam's gone. Civil War's gone. Is the is Washington playing Washington State next year? I don't think so. Washington's schedule out of conference is Fresno State, Texas, and Arkansas State. That's shameful. That's awful. That oh wait, no, that was the Michigan schedule. Sorry, I've got multiple ones pulled up here, but I still don't. Yeah, it's it's Weber State, Eastern Michigan, and their final out of conference game is. They don't have it yet. They have three open weeks, so they could. So Washington they could add it. it. They're going to try to make it work. Yeah, they'll try to make it work to play. They need to, and they need to play Oregon State. Oregon needs to play Oregon State. We'll know the scores coming up next. Final hour, football Friday. Bishop and friends, right here on the fan. Question from a listener: Do you dopes ever get tired of talking about Ohio State? <laughs> no, the Buckeye Show. Weeknights at six. The fan. With friends like these, who needs former college football players? This is Bishop and Friends. Don't you think Petiti's going to Michigan today and saying, "Do the right thing," right? Don't you think? He, don't you think the conference wants this to come from them? Willie, yeah, put pressure like, on you. Do the right thing. So say, I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to get into this. You already suspended him once right this year. Thing. Just do it again. Yeah, that's that's kind of the feeling I get. Is is you take it? You do the right thing here. Is is everybody else is against you? We all know you did it. Do the right thing. But will he go as far as to put the threat in there that if you don't, then I will. That's when you'll know if he's a Greg Sankey type guy or if he's a Kevin Warren type guy. Like, because Sankey would do that. He would, he would throw the weight around. So I don't know. I don't, we'll find out a lot about Tony Petiti today, I think. Um, I'll tell you what, this is a tricky week to know the scores, kids. You have been warned. Uh, let's hit it. Sponsored by Typico Sportsbook. This week, best week, right? That's right. Last week, Bo six and six, chops nine and three, chopping wood, baby. Just chop. I, you just gave me the float. FSU one, or I just said fine. FSU covers extra win for me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Bo fifty and forty nine overall, chops fifty four and forty five. Again, this week, best week, right? That's right. We'll start tomorrow at noon. We'll do Ohio State and Rutgers at the end of the program, as is tradition. But noon slate, best slate. We think seven thirty is really good too. Seven thirty's got well, some seven thirty and seven forty-five. The, the seven o'clock hour, yeah. Prime time and noon are both really loaded. Let's start in a Death Valley, where number fifteen Notre Dame is a three-point road favorite at Clemson. Man, these folks. There's a lot of these that are field goal here, there. So is Clemson really bad? They appear to be really bad. Tyler, right? <laughs> they appear to be. They're four and four. That's that's where they are at this point. Like it's a matter of can you get bowl eligible, um, and then the other side of that is how good is Notre Dame really? Like they've got their big win, they beat USC. That's the one that you count on. Rallying the troops in Death Valley. I'm going to go Dabo outright. Give me Clemson to beat Notre Dame in kind of a gross game, twenty-one twenty. Same but different. I did still give Notre Dame the victory, twenty-eight to twenty-seven on this one. But obviously, pay attention to the scores on that. The thing that stands out to me the most is Clemson in these losses, especially the last couple, 
they're turning the ball over like three times a game. And not only are they turning it over that many times, but they're doing it in the red zone, giving up possessions that could at the very least end in a field goal. Notre Dame, conversely, has looked pretty good recently. They have 10 turnovers forced by their defense in their last two games. Yeah. That's uh, I don't think that those two things can continue happening revert to the mean. at that level. And so Clemson just plays it a little bit closer. We'll go to Austin at noon, 11 o'clock Central, number 7 Texas is a four-point home favorite against number 23, Kansas State Chops. I believed in Malik Murphy last week. I'm going to continue that because all accounts are he is also a dude. So a lot of Texas quarterback dudes right now. I know Tim said he thinks Kansas State could go out there and win, but I'm cool with throwing the four points. I got the Longhorns 30-24. to 24. Yeah, I tell you what. Like, if you're a coach in college football and you need a quarterback, go pilfer Texas because I don't know if viewers did enough this year to be drafted in the first round. Um, but they've got a bunch of them. they got a bunch of dudes. So I, I like Texas in this one as well. Uh, I got the Horns 35-21. Final Nooner we'll pick in this segment has number 10 Old Miss, a three-point home favorite against Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M Bo. Well, I'm a sucker for Lane Kiffin. I'm a sucker for Ole Miss. I think he's got a pretty dang good team, and this would be the type of loss that they take right to lose a game like this and kind of derail what would be a fun game next week at Georgia. I think he's got just enough though this season to get it done with this Ole Miss team and set up a top 10 matchup next week in Athens. I like Ole Miss winning this one 21-17. A&M defense pretty good, but I think Jackson Dart has enough. And it's funny cuz I feel like this line is illustrative of that clip we played from Lane Kiffin earlier in the week that yeah on paper this is the Texas A&M team is probably the team that should be in the top 10 or in the top 10 the last three years but Ole Miss is that team and I think they prove it that they're supposed to be that team 27-20 Rebels at 3.30 in Athens number two Georgia is a 15 and a half point home favorite to number 12 Missouri Chops it's too big Missouri played them close last year, which, oh, maybe that means they're, they're, they're out for blood. Brock Bowers still out. I it, Just 15 and a half, I think, is just a little too much for me. Georgia has been on a heater, especially at home, and I think that just comes down to earth a little bit. Get close to it, but a 34-20 victory for the Dogs. Yeah, I, I'm going to go the other way on this one, and it has it does it's not really that much about Georgia being you know some behemoth or dominant. I just think Missouri's a paper tiger, um, and to me this feels they're a lot like the Tigers. Yeah, they literally are. Yeah, uh, so in this case they're paper tigers. I, I like Georgia in this one. We're going to go 31 10 dogs cover city. Three thirty in Stillwater. It's Bedlam. Number nine Oklahoma is a six point road favorite at number twenty two Oklahoma State. This is a monster one. You know how much Gundy's got into this game. Usually this game's at the end, um, but they, they moved it ahead because to prevent potential backup, you know, matching up again in the in the Big 12 championship game, so they moved it in the old days. This one used to be uh, at the end. I, it just feels like six. Is it a field goal game? Feels like it will be. I like Oklahoma winning 34-31, but, but under the number. Yeah, we're right in the same neighborhood here. I got the Sooners winning 31-28, to 28, but there's just too much emotion going on there. And obviously, they're gettable on the road. Last week, it was, you know, there's a weird rain delay in the Kansas yeah. game, but it, there'll be a weird things happening for the last Bedlam game uh, in Oklahoma for Oklahoma State. So, yeah, they, not quite enough, but enough for the points. At 3.30 in College Park, Maryland is an 8.5-point home dog to number 11 Penn State Chops. The wheels are off at Maryland. They won their first five games. We thought, okay, Talia, you've got a little bit of offense rolling here. Things are going. 
Nah, you lose to Illinois, you lose to Northwestern. Obviously, they also lost to Ohio State to kick that off. So now they're five and three. It's going to be four in a row, and I don't think it's going to look good. I think Penn State really rolls them because James Franklin likes to take care of business and make a statement against the teams that aren't Ohio State and Michigan. He'll do that. Penn State 31-13. Yeah, the other thing is he hates Maryland. Right, right. So anytime he has a chance to play them and bury them, he does. Uh, they recruit a lot of the same areas. I, I like. I think your analysis is spot on with this one. I like Penn State huge in this one. Thirty-eight, seventeen, something like that. Big. At seven thirty to Hollywood, we go. Number twenty USC is a three-point home dog to the Huskies of number five Washington. Bo. So Washington's played in the cover of night the last couple of times out and the the results haven't been great right they have not been what they've been really since the Oregon game um, but USC is bigly flawed especially defensively give me Penix give me Washington winning in the Coliseum by this thing could be 49 41 41 49 42 something like that I got Washington by a touchdown I'm in a similar boat but I do have it a little bit closer <gasps> But on the other side, you're right. Oh USC, very, very flawed. Washington's defense hasn't been playing so hot either. Super big shootout in this one. And I think your reigning Heisman Trophy winner, possibly against who's going to win the Heisman this year. But this game could really be a decision maker in that. I think the Trojans bounce back, get it done, a 42-38 final in favor of USC. Man, if that happens, then that cannibalization of the Pac-12. Then it happened. It's already on. Will have happened, yeah. 7.30 at the Big House, number three, Michigan, is a 32.5-point favorite against Purdue. Chops, does Jim Harbaugh pile it on Ryan Walters after his comments Thursday? Jim Harbaugh is not interested in people going, oh, man, look at what they did without their, their sign-stealing. And they don't need the sign-stealing to beat Purdue, although it appears they maybe were trying to do that based on yeah. what Ryan Walters said on his show doesn't matter. Purdue's pretty hapless this year. I, it's a huge number, but I, I'm going to throw it. Michigan, 42-7. to seven. Uh, Same but different. 32.5 is a monster. I, I, got, I like it 42-14, something like that. I, I just think it's just inside the number. It's just a little bit too many points uh, to be thrown this late in the year. To Alabama we go. Tuscaloosa, the scene. Number eight, Alabama is a three-point home favorite against number 14, LSU. That's a 745 kick. Yeah, I'll tell you what's we talk about Heisen with Penix, um, an opportunity for him on a big stage, an opportunity. This is probably, well, not probably. This is the best chance Jaden Daniels has to put himself in the Heisman conversation. We had Paul Feinbaum on this week, as we do every Thursday at 1030, and and he mentioned him as maybe one of the best players in the country. And you know there's going to be a vote from somebody down there that's going to get some of it. Um, So there's a big part of that that's in this one as well. Nick Saban doesn't lose back-to-back to to the same coach. And I don't think it's going to be Brian Kelly that gets it done. I think Bama actually has a little bit of an identity now. They're not a great team, but I think they're great enough to beat LSU 28-21. An Alabama doctor told Saban that you don't really need to worry about your uh, bloodshot eye from a blood vessel popping because it was probably just due to yelling. Saban's into it at this point in the season. He he thinks he finally has his team going to a a certain level. I think the winner of this game wins the, because of Ole Miss's date with Georgia, I think the winner of this game wins the SEC West, and that's something that Nick Saban still really wants to do, and then get his shot at Georgia and possibly the playoff also the last starting college QB to beat Nick Saban in back-to-back seasons. Does anybody know the answer? Last starting QB to beat Saban in back-to-back seasons. He's uh, a boiler. Breeze? 
Breeze, 98 and 99. And um, ironically, of course, the re- Drew Brees not going to Miami mm-hmm. Dolphins is why Saban's at Bama. Always linked. It's all in there. It's all connected. But yeah, so with all that, I've got the Crimson Tide covering 30 to 24. At 10 o'clock, to Folsom Field we go. Colorado is a 13.5-point home dog to number 16, Oregon State. DJ playing better for them and has definitely improved the Beaver offense this year. But they're built on uh, defense. Um, but Colorado built the stronger side of the the field is offense. I think you're going to see a fun Uyunglele versus Sanders kind of back and forth. Not as big of a, a shootout as USC Washington will be by my estimation. So Oregon State gets the victory, but that number's too big. 35-28. Samesies. Uh, I think it's another classic one. I, Colorado went from being overly respected to under to not respected enough with some of these lines, and they, they're good enough to cover 13-and-a-half. I, I, I like... Oregon State could win the game. We don't really need him to. 31-28, something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado got him either. That, that would not shock me if they actually got the win in that game. Uh, when, the, when the Scarlet Knights have the ball, what do we expect to see? What do we need to see out of this Buckeye defense? We'll go through the Big Ten slate as well. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. We're the highest-rated sports radio station in America. There's no joke there. We just are. The Fan. Ohio's sports destiny. <laughs> Keep your friends close and your producers closer. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. And no matter what NFL team you cheer for, Tipco Sportsbook knows who all of them is rooting against. Every week when you bet $25 on an Ohio team, they're going to give you a $5 bet credit to place a bet against your rival. Make game day even better by taking home a big win and cheering on your rivals to lose. Download Tipco Sportsbook today. Make the most of your big wins and your rivals' losses. Must be 21 or older. Physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions do apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER for more on that. Uh, Big Ten slate this weekend. Our game at noon against Rutgers, Wisconsin at Indiana. Noon as well, Nebraska in state. Is Nebraska, they're bowl eligible with a win, right? Are they at four or five? They're very, I know they're close and I think they're going to do it. it. Yeah, I mean, they should win at at state. Yeah, they're they're five and three, so they should beat Michigan State. Then they got Maryland at Wisconsin and Iowa to finish out the year. They can they go to they win a couple of those he could get to seven wins maybe even eight it's in play for him there he went viral this week with his pregame speech which was incredibly emotional about uh, representing you know all of the people who have suffered with cancer women who have suffered with cancer in Nebraska and uh, that was a cool moment he seems like he's building something it's interesting they opened they played Colorado early and. Dion and Prime got all of the attention early, and they were really good, and they whipped Nebraska in that game. And Rule has taken a much – even after that loss, he's like he – was, he was very measured with this is a long-term prospect and build that they're trying to do there. They're not ever going to be 95 Nebraska again. But it does seem like he does finally have program momentum there, which is something Frost was never able to accomplish. And I don't know if anybody since Pelini has been able to accomplish it. Yeah, and somehow I do still have that read on it. I, I correctly called it they, they would – they would lose to Minnesota. They wouldn't cover against Colorado. And then that they would cover last week against Purdue. So even as their season is flipped, I still got still got Nebraska figured out. But we'll see that heads, uh, that Black Friday game, yeah, as the, the seasons are going, the directions are going, uh, it'll be stressful. It's always stressful every year. You hate them more than anything. Uh, Penn State at Maryland, that's your 3.30 game in the afternoon. Illinois at Minnesota at 3.30 as well, and then Iowa at Northwestern. In this, is why you need, this is why you need Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA. Some of this stuff's pretty bad. Purdue at, at Michigan is the night game on NBC. Be very curious to see how NBC handles Michigan and all of this, and you wonder if 
Cody Petiti meeting at Michigan and meeting with the president today if if there will be some sort of punishment levied today in Ann Arbor. I think that's kind of the other thing that you're waiting on a little bit there. But that last one is the that's an example of how the Big Ten pushes and it's it's an example of the Big Ten strategy with their television partners. We'll give you Michigan and Michigan will lift up Purdue. And NBC goes, okay, fine. We got Michigan. We'll get five million. That's the that's the gig. It's literally the three this week: Ohio State, Rutgers on CBS, Penn yeah. State, Maryland on Fox, and Michigan, Purdue on NBC. Here's one it's, of the three. Yep, you get least, one of the three. At least now there will be seven, six ish. Well, the funny thing that. is, the funny thing about that Reese is that the 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 four schools from the Pac-12 would be. All if you're doing the eight best brands in the league, the four new Pac-12 schools would all be in the top eight. Yep, I mean it's those are gonna you're gonna be required. Hey Washington, we know you're not giving you a cut, but uh, we really need you to go lift up and when you play Indiana. Yeah, you definitely gotta you know show out a little bit USC when you play at Purdue. Yeah, lift it, please. Lift those games up, please help them. This Buckeye defense is good enough to win a national championship. I think we've known that since the Notre Dame game. It was hammered home in the Penn State game. This is about fine-tuning for the Michigan game. It's about being dominant. And you're starting to see that up front. Ty Leak in recent weeks, obviously JT uh, in, in recent weeks, he was a supernova in the Penn State game. You're starting to see that. You saw a better linebacker play last week in the game against Wisconsin. Denzel Burke back. It's getting there. It's getting whole, that defense. And I think the biggest thing that I've noticed this year defensively is Jim Knowles really knows his guys, and his guys know him. So his feel for blitz calls, whether it's run blitzes or just straight-up blitzes, they're always on the money. It's been very few that have not been perfectly timed and coming from the exact right spot. It does feel like everything that Jim Knowles was promised to be upon hire is coming home uh, this year, and it's there. And You're not going to get really tested until the Michigan game, but the dominance that you're starting to see, we saw that consistently through every week of the season. Now you're starting to see those turnovers happen. That happened in the Penn, in the Penn State game, obviously, and I think you'll see more of that here as you build towards Michigan. This defense is the best one we've seen around here in a while. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that Jim Knowles, it was not just lip service leading into the season and the early part of the season talking about being more measured in their aggressiveness. And I think at first it was like, are they being more measured? Are they really just going to go into this complete bend but don't break? They definitely have more bend but don't break mentality this year. But now he is starting to pick and choose the right times to be aggressive and really go after a team. And that's going to result in big plays for your defense. And so far, they've also done enough to sure up things on the back end that it has not resulted in huge wide open plays going the other direction for the team's offense. The linebackers are also very interesting to me because at the beginning of the year, it felt like, man, are they just not as good as, as we thought? Are they not? They're not playing as well as it looked last year. And I think that's a little bit of the aggressiveness they took off the plate of those guys that said, sit back a little bit, and maybe they're not always running up and making the right plays. Um, and I think they've they've eased into it and they've figured out that a little bit more. Tommy Eichenberg early in the season, I also thought was sometimes out of position. I think as he was, you know, figuring out the the new mentality of the defense. But as the weeks have gone on, I think they've really figured that out. Rutgers, a team that prides itself on its run game. That's the engine of the offense. The defense is really the better unit for them. But when you're talking about going up against their offense, they're going to try to run the ball. And I think the Buckeye defense is very well situated to shut down a team like that right now. Now, this will be the how do we stop Ohio State from scoring when we just keep Ohio State off of the field. And so Rutgers is going to look to they can't out talent the Buckeyes or they look to out physical Ohio State. And so I think with this defense, you know, in, in what year 
Are we year two of the Knowles experience? Mm-hmm where finally the unit is actually playing like a unit and he's got full un- and a complete total understanding of the guys that are on the field and the guys on, on the field have complete and total understanding of what he's asking of them. And Bo, to your point of in the past couple of weeks, whenever he's dialing things up from a, we're going to rush a little bit more than four, they get there at the right time. It's because in that, in the scheme that he wanted to instill last season, I felt like it was also new for everybody. Sure. That now that you've kind of kept it a little simpler and having guys that are football players just go play your, your positions. Don't try to do anything extra. And it's, it's worked out from what you've seen, one of the more dominant defenses in the country in, especially Ohio State in the last 10 seasons. Yeah, I was trying to think. Like the last like game. Last time they defense. were like this. Yeah, probably the mid-teens, right? Like the national yeah. championship teams with both. Nineteen was really good with Halfley too. Oh, that's right. That, yeah, that Halfley experience was so short-lived. Yeah, like he was. He was a legit genius. I I know why he went to Boston College because it was home and all of those things. But that is such a tough place to have su- success sustained. Um, he's. I thought he was. You talk to people around the program, and, and that that dude was a legit defensive de- genius. Yeah, that team was ridiculous. That was Chase. Chase was a Heisman finalist that mm-hmm. year. Um, yeah, so you're you're approaching that level um, with this group, and I think that will continue over the course of the next month, and then the big test will come at the end of the month. Get some perspective on this and what could happen at Michigan today. Doug Maurice, the podcast, Kings of Columbus, will join us coming up next. Michigan Friends, right here on The Fan. The Daily Coach Ryan Day Show is brought to you locally by Credit Union of Ohio and by Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse on The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Us. Not interested in Iowa football? Too bad. Shops will tell you about it anyway. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, we do it every Friday. We get a little smarter with our good buddy Doug Maurice, the podcast, Kings of Columbus, joining us on the Brian Heating and uh, Heating and Cooling Fan guest hotline. Uh, Doug, we have a, let's, before we get to the game, and, and honestly, the game's not quite as interesting, although this one's better than, than maybe the one we're going to get the next couple of weeks. Um, we are two weeks in on the Michigan. We had coaches on Wednesday talking with Petiti and voicing their displeasure. We had athletic directors voicing their displeasure. And then today he's in Ann Arbor to meet with the University of Michigan. What's your sense of how this goes and what they're trying to do here? Yeah, I mean, I think they're trying to give him permission to act, right? To let to let Tony Petiti know that the rest of the conference has your back. We know you're the new guy, but if he, I would imagine if he feels like he has 13 ADs, athletic programs, university presidents, head coaches lined up behind him, then he's more able to act. And it's like, listen, this is what this is for the good of the conference. So, um, you know, certainly talking to people. Like, that was the big thing. I think we kind of got past the point of, like, did Michigan do something? Like, as the evidence has come out, you know, has it been 100% decided? Maybe not. But you have the evidence, but then you need, like, the permission to act. Who has the ability and the willingness to punish? And that's, I feel like, that's the point we're at this week. And then you get those ducks in a row, and then I think you reach the point where it's certainly feasible, possible, that something happens. Kind of feels to me, talking to people up there, that the conversation today could be something along the lines of, "Hey, you guys need to do something before I do." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you need to set him down. It feels like suspending of Harbaugh is the sweet spot. Feels like it's the cleanest. Uh, that to me seems like kind of the, a no-brainer thing. Um, do you think we'll see something today? 
I don't think we'll see something today. And, like, given that, right, this season started with Michigan suspending Jim Harbaugh, oh, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Does Michigan, does Michigan do that? Or does Michigan, I don't know, dare the Big Ten to do something and then try to fight it if they do? So I'm, I'm curious. I don't know. You know, the fact that it's sort of like the second thing with Michigan, does that make it more likely? that they sort of accept something and try to find a, a compromise, or does it make it less likely that Michigan's yeah. like, we're sick of getting picked on, we're digging in? Well, they got like six six investigations going on up there. I mean, it's not just this. Yeah. You, I mean, they got – you want to talk about lack of institutional control. They've got it over the last year and a half. It's like a RICO case being built. <laughs> yeah, that's how they, they're getting Capone, right? You get yeah. a tax evasion. Yeah. Yeah, it so, feels like the way that it's going. Um, it's it's wild uh, to see, and it's going to kind of be a cloud over this season the rest of the way. I do think that Michigan will play very well despite this. Uh, I'm guessing they use this as an enormous rallying cry, and it's everybody against us and free Harbaugh and all that stuff. I'm I'm sure that you'll see the, the best from Michigan over the course of the next month. Um, in terms of one other thing off the field, then I want to – the schedules for the Big Ten were released in terms of – and we knew who you were going to play. But I think it is shameful what the Big Ten did with Ohio State. And I know why they did it, because the thinking is Ohio State will lift up somebody in a television window. Heck, you're seeing it this weekend. Ohio State Rutgers on CBS, Penn State, Maryland on Fox, uh, Michigan, Purdue on NBC. Give us one of the big guys and it'll lift up a little right. guy. But I think it's shameful that home schedule next year for Ohio State. And I think, if anything, Gene maybe should have leaned on the conference a little bit to give to deliver something to the fan base. I don't – like, they don't know how to roll this out. Like, no, this they is- don't. They, like, the first West Coast Big Ten game is, like, UCLA-Indiana in week three? Like, yeah. there's not, like, a red carpet debut, bang-bang doubleheader of USC-Michigan, Oregon-Ohio State opening mm-hmm. weekend, here we go. Like, I have no idea what they're doing, and that, like, Ohio State doesn't even play a Big Ten game for the first four weeks. I don't... Like we knew this, the non-conference schedule was bad for Ohio State next year, but like yeah. September stinks. It's awful that their uh, their first Big Ten game is Michigan State. So I, I don't. I they're they're slow rolling it right. So like Michigan USC, I guess is what like the last weekend in September. Yep. But there's no announcement that there's UCLA Indiana the week before that. It's like that they're going to be coming at me like and for the first time a West Coast team and it's Indy. I don't. They don't know how to do it. Like, if they're lucky that, like, this is going to be good, right? They really can't mess it up. The games are going to be good. Mm-hmm. But if they were capable, if, if, the, if the launch could kill you, they'd be in danger of that because this launch stinks. It's awful. It's absolutely dreadful. It's a great point. I guess I didn't even think about the idea that the first West Coast Big Ten game is Indiana. I mean, that's a joke. That is a an joke. absolute joke. What it's are they a, doing? It's, Good Lord, you could have even thrown Nebraska. Like, you didn't have to throw – if you didn't want to throw Ohio State, fine. you got to throw a brand out there. You can't send the worst of your conference out to open up play on the West Coast. That is an absolute yeah. joke. Um, there are, I think, upwards of 10 teams, maybe slightly fewer, maybe eight, that as I sit here with a month to play, Doug, I go, yeah, I could see them winning the national title. I've been covering the sport since one on a on a daily, weekly basis. I don't recall this being this wide open this late ever. Yeah, and it's and it's I think it's played out as we thought it would, right? The top is down a little bit. 
right? Georgia's yep. not quite as much of a monster. Alabama has questions. Ohio State has questions. Clemson fell off a cliff. The top is down, and then the second tier is up because the second-tier teams have veteran quarterbacks, Bo Nix in Oregon, Michael Penix in Washington, Jordan Travis and Florida State, Dylan Gabriel in Oklahoma, Quinn Ewers in Texas. It's awesome. Like, we're ready for yeah. the 12-team now. We're a year late on the 12-team. But – I think it's the sport like rising to make the challenge and like this I just, I still don't think everybody has completely grasped what this next iteration of college football is going to be and this is like a great appetizer that this is it's not confusing and uncertain because there's no good teams it's confusing and uncertain because there's 8 to 10 good teams and I think this is where the sport's going to be. And then starting next year, that means we're going to put them all in a pot in December, stir it up, and see what you get. But, yeah, I, I'm, it is unusual, but it's also not surprising. We're exactly where I thought we'd be in this particular season. Yeah, yeah. It's not so much that there aren't enough good teams as that there aren't a couple of great ones. Is is We haven't yeah. seen anybody ascend to that. We haven't seen dominance yet. Um, this Buckeye team has been dominant defensively. The one thing that's kind of held it back all year is that explosive offense. Um, I've been saying for up until – It'll, and I can say this all the way to the Michigan game. Kyle McCord doesn't need to be great. He just needs to play clean. He's probably going to need yeah. to be great to beat Michigan. Do you think you will start to, we'll start to, and we know that Ryan Day's holding stuff. We know that now. And he's being extra cautious with guys coming back from injury. Like it's all pointing towards Michigan, obviously. Um, but do you think that, that they need to get Kyle rolling over these three games leading into that game? Yeah. I mean, we, we did a whole like two hour Kyle McCord quarterback show on Kings of Columbus this weekend. Nice. It's like, what, what are you looking to get out of that? His numbers against pressure, right? Are really bad. That when he's clean, he's really good. He's as good as any t- quarterback on a good team when he's clean. When he's under pressure, his rating is the worst of any quarterback in the top 16 on, on a good team, right? So then, well, what's the problem? Well, you're still uncertain about the offensive line. Like the thing, right? And, and a lot of inexperienced quarterbacks would not have a great rating against pressure. So the fears of the offensive line, I think, are still there. You know, we talked a lot about get the ball out of his hands. You know, they ran a little bit of RPO stuff last week. Kyle was even talking about, I thought one of his best plays last week was the third down run where he aggravated the ankle injury. Yeah. And he said, I asked him about it, he said, that's a quick read. It wasn't there, and I took off. Right? So decide, get out. Don't hold the ball. Don't have too many long developing plays because I don't think the line's holding up, and then I think that's getting in his head. So they have three weeks to work that out. And I do think maybe it starts this week against Rutgers. Bing, bang, boom. You get all your guys healthy. You get it out of his hands to the playmakers, and maybe it looks a little better. And it feels like he's – and I'm curious, from when you guys were doing the two-hour uh, the podcast, did what, did, what would, did you happen to know offhand where he was? Um, in, I guess how could you even measure it? But he seems so much more comfortable with tempo. It seems like when he's got to go oh, yeah. quick – he he's and a lot of quarterbacks are that way, but it feels like I wonder if if Ryan can implore you know use a little tempo this week to get him rolling. It feels like he's much better there. And I do think you know I was asking a lot about explosive plays this week. Are they accidental or do you game plan them? Yeah. And you know of course Ryan Day said there's some of both. I feel like Rutgers is good on defense. They're not as good as their raw stats would tell you. They face some pretty bad offenses, but I do think they're good enough to force Ohio State to get locked in and execute. And really, if they execute, they can turn short stuff into big plays. And that's what I'm kind of curious about. We've seen it with Marvin Harrison Jr. 
Now you you know you make sure you get you get Cade Stover back involved. Here comes Emeka Buka back after yeah. a month. You saw it with Travion Henderson in the passing game. Like I think Rutgers does not give up explosive plays. I think Ohio State can create some this week with short stuff that turns into big stuff. All right, very good. Great talk as always, my friend. Thanks for your time. Thanks, man. See you, Bo. All right, that's our great friend Doug Maurice, the podcast Kings of Columbus, joining on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Three things for a Buckeye victory. Our score predictions coming up next. Bishman Friends right here on The Fan. You're home for the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, and crew, and our sincere apologies for common men singing Creed songs. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Taking the art of sports radio and day drinking to a whole new level. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Are you guys familiar with uh, Hint Water? You've seen that? What is it? Hint Water. Have you seen this? Yeah, it's got like a hint of fruit. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. No. So it's like, it's a it's water, but it's got it's got a, a hint of fruit flavor to it. So it's it's like blackberry and peach and watermelon and all these. So we, we have it and we kind of pass it off as like soda for the kids, right? As opposed to having a pop, have that. And then they think they're drinking something special and, and the fact they're just drinking water. I'm wondering if there actually is flavor in it or if it's just the the scent because smell obviously is part of taste as well and is it just the scent that makes you think and really there's no flavor to the water whatsoever there are some i've seen it like online with like youtubers who advertise it there is a product where you literally put like some sort of scented thing in the top of the water bottle and you just drink water but you smell the scent so your theory might be is it. something a product that actually does exist i think that's might be what's going it on it might here. be just the suggestion of it yeah i taste blackberry there there definitely is. It's a no. You can smell like it's definitely yeah. there. But I was just having one, and I was thinking it was a blackberry. When I'm thinking to myself, this just tastes like water. But there is they smell. I smell the blackberry. So I think they're just tricking you. That's what That's, I mean, which is fine. It's a it good works. trick. It works. God bless them. If it gets you uh, hydrated. What do we have on the uh, the poll question today, Reese? Daily fan poll sponsored by Dick Masheter Ford. Today's daily fan poll asks: What will be the outcome of Ohio State's game at Rutgers? Tomorrow afternoon, Buckeyes winning by 19 would be Cover City. 44% of respondents uh, have that. Buckeyes win by 10 to 18. So just under Cover City has 50% of respondents. Um, Then a handful Buckeyes won by nine or a Scarlet Knights win is actually getting votes to our daily fan poll. And last week they missed it by a half point. Mm -hmm. That's what it ended up with that late one. Um, All right. Three things to a Buckeye victory. Hit it. One. Two, one, two, three things. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. All right, number one for me, I guess what I what I think we all want to see most is we want to see the very best of Kyle McCord, whatever that is, because that will allow us to prepare better for the game at the end of the month. And I think in order to do so, it, I wouldn't be at all opposed to Ryan Day throwing him right. So we use this term we were talking about what the Bengals did with uh, Joe Burrow early in the season. Like They just kept spinning it until it clicked and then eventually it did. So the number I'm looking for here is 38. I want Kyle throwing it 38 times in this game on Saturday. My hope is that there's a high percentage of them that are caught, but I do think that that is job one between now and Ann Arbor is for this passing offense to click bigly. Against pressure, as Doug said, he's been dreadful. Give him the most opportunity to get right, and whatever the right is for him, I want to see it start tomorrow in Piscataway. 
I like that one from you, and I hope mine doesn't take too much away from it, but I do want to see them build off the run game success from last week. As we all know, Travion Henderson, 162 on the ground and a touchdown in that one. He's healthy now. He's back. We see the difference maker that he can be when he gets to the outside, when he gets in the open. He can be that home run guy. Maybe even the schematic changes helping the O-line. Not a very good rush defense out of Wisconsin this year, so I'm not holding my breath on that one yet, but I think Travion's special enough to make things work depend regardless of how good the offensive line can get at run blocking this year and i want to see them build on that maybe Drake go 125 and a touchdown in this one i think it's available i think you gotta gauge mccord a little bit i was seeing you know tune up the honda mccord maybe needs to come in for a tune-up um not my joke that was on twitter but you gotta gauge you gotta gauge how healthy he is how's that ankle and then you got a game plan around that because he's got to clean up the interceptions it was, it was tough last week. It was was not good at all. Uh, number two for me, let Marv eat. And you think about, we haven't had a Heisman Trophy winner here since Troy Smith. We've had a lot of finalists. Marvin can win the thing. He is known. It is widely known that he is the best. He's going to be the number one non-quarterback picked in this NFL draft. Everybody knows who he is. He is everything on and off the field that you would want a Buckeye player to be, and he's sensational as a player. So it's important that he gets showcased in each of these games going forward. He needs to stat pad the next three weeks and then have moments in the Michigan game. If he does that, I think he can win the Heisman. So the number I'm looking for for him, 13 targets. 13 times, throw it his way. I, I want to see it thrown his way early and often. I want him to stack up yards. I want touchdowns, all of it. I'd, another one of those 8 for 145, two scores. That type of thing is what we need to see out of Marv because it's attainable. He can win the Heisman. It, it, he's in a great spot to do it. Rutgers running back uh, Kyle Manungai, he leads the Big Ten, actually, with 744 rush yards. But it's not his rushing attack that I'm worried about. It's not every game that you see this, but Rutgers QB Gavin Wimsat, he's done a good job of cutting down on turnovers this year, but he's still not a very accurate passer. Really, when he's effective, he also gets the run game involved. He was injured a little bit last year, hasn't been injured this year. He had three touchdowns and 143 yards on the ground versus Indiana a couple of weeks ago. But his previous game was Michigan State. He had negative 11 rush yards and was sacked three times okay Buckeye defense do that one earlier in the week Ryan Day said that they had a couple plays in the Wisconsin game that were targeted for Farmer Gronk yet Farmer Gronk was targeted zero times despite playing a full workload as a blocking tight end please for the love of all that is holy and or whatever God you pray to at least one target going the way of Farmer Gronk. Please. He's owed that, right? Come on. When are you going to produce the Farmer Gronk to the tune of Baby Shark song? Never. Don't even say that out loud. I mean, that just now that other one is in your head, you'll never be able to get it out. Um, finally, for me, number three, this Buckeye defense has been the strength of this team, with the exception of Marvin Harrison, all year long. Build off that. Get better and better. Dominate. And and for this one, I'm looking to I'm looking for something specific. Hold Rutgers to one score. One score. Michigan's defense did. They held them to seven points when they played them earlier in the season. Seven points or less ought to be the goal for this Buckeye defense against Rutgers. And I think it's attainable. This one, okay, I'm not going to throw the, the, the numbers at you with percentages and everything, but I'm once again reminding you to adjust your Buckeye algebra because of what you're saying there, Bo. The key 
is that this OSU defense, they won't give up 20 points, especially to the next three opponents, but I don't think they are a team that will give up 20 points the entire year. I think it's that good. As long as the offense can deliver 21-plus points, Ohio State will win. That is something I believe about this team right now. The numbers have proven it week in and week out. So for your peace of mind, just know that 20 is the key number, and the Buckeye defense will keep delivering on keeping the opponent below that. And against Rutgers, maybe much below that, as Bo was alluding to. I'm going to call it a guarantee, under 20 points, lock it in. Yeah, it's uh, pretty good if you want to throw a few dollars at that. Just for Ohio State's defense, don't get lulled to sleep. Yep. They've been so good through eight games, nine weeks of the season at limiting the big play. Don't let the Shiano man in what will be his deep, deep, deep bag of tricks oh, lull yeah. you to sleep on a play 40-plus yards down the field. I think it's like Ohio State and Michigan are the two that have yet to allow a play greater than 50 yards down the field. So, Actually, I think it's Rutgers. Is it There's Rutgers, too? Okay. Yeah. Keep that up on Saturday. And if that is the case, oh, baby. Ohio State will walk away from where college football was birthed with a 31-13 victory. <laughs> Never again, Ohio State. 31-13 for Reese on a 19 number. What do you got, Chops? It, it just Yeah, Rutgers is the only other team with Ohio State to not allow a 40-plus yard play this season. At least that's what it said in this write-up on 11 Warriors. For me. As far as the score goes, they've beaten Rutgers by an average of 42 points. Even cut it in half, you still cover OSU 35-14. Yeah, I got it like 28-7, something like that, Buckeyes. 31-7, something like that. I think they just get on the good side of the cover. The fun continues on a football Friday. Rothman and Ice up next. We're back Monday to break it all down. Bishop and Friends, right here on The Fan. We are your radio home for the Buckeyes, Browns, and all the NFL games you can handle. We may have a bit of a football problem. Oh, yeah. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. It's a fan action update. Great games all day long in the NFL Sunday. Perhaps the best one starting at 9.30 a.m. The Chiefs are a one-and-a-half-point favorite over the Dolphins from Germany. At 1 o'clock, the Browns are giving 8 to the Cardinals, 4.25. The Eagles are a field goal favorite over the Cowboys. Then Sunday night, watch the game at Hollywood Casino Columbus with On the Money. That'll be awesome as the Bengals give two to the Bills. For your action update, I'm Scotty Vegas. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.